welcome to 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. I'm Connor Lestoka, joined by Mike Nelson on the podcast where we discuss uh, books that we don't plan on liking. And we've got a Christmas book as we approach the end of this year, Mike. Murder in Christmas River by Meg Muldoon that we're wrapping up today. How do you feel about this final third of our second cozy mystery we've covered on the book? Well, I think I proved my cozy bona fides to you earlier with a photo of my cozy place. I'm very cozy. Um, I'm sad that uh, when we do this podcast, I can't be down at the Pine Needle Tavern (laughs) drinking myself into a stupor. Oh, man. Uh, Maybe having... Too many eggnogs. Who the hell drinks too many eggnogs, too by many. the way? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fear factor challenge. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, this was uh, exactly what I expected, which is to say I, I, I liked it. I mean, yeah. we'll, get to the, we'll get to the end of this, but uh, I, I enjoyed my time. Uh, yeah, almost exactly. Over. I assume that a lot of these books are going to be you know, almost exactly like you'd expect, sure. you know, they hit the beats, but w- what they fill in in between those beats is sort of where they separate themselves. And yeah, the, the drunkenness of the pine needle tavern and the uh, dogs scarfing down pies that are either going to kill them or cause massive GI issues is, you know, th- those are the delightful, delightful things this, this series brought to us, as, as well as some crazy similes <laughs> in this section, some, some bitter rivalries um, and some, some, some stuff we'll, we'll get to, but I think that the, uh, the cozy mystery genre is it, maybe it's already been shaken up, but we don't know it. It's going to be something that we realize later. But the the we discussed this this week. The advent of of massive and and, and rapid advances in AI technology, I feel like is going to is going to provide either the death knell or just radical new advances in the uh, rate and and quality of how these books are going to be able to be written. It's a, a disruption to be sure. This AI. Um. If someone told me, uh, you know, after the fact that uh, this woman is, in fact, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the uh, what was the the chess computer that uh, Deep Deep Blue? Yep. Deep. If this is Deep Blue writing this, I would go, okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. that makes that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, some of the similes we we get in this chapter, like I I feel as hollow as a chocolate Santa. Do they they have that tinge of? you know, someone who doesn't have an entire, you know, something that's ninety percent there. You know, on the Turing test. Yeah, where the uh, the then the people adjust it and go like, yeah, uh, maybe don't use that. So you're yeah. you're reaching there. Yeah, uh, let's put some uh, put some gutters down on this uh, bowling alley here for you, AI, so you don't do that again. Yeah, but but so what what we had talked about is the uh, the one that everyone was talking about this week was Chat GPT, which is the Open AI. Uh, chat bot where you can, I mean, it doesn't just chat, you can give, give it instructions. And uh, I forget what we were talking about. I forget what, what we fed it, but it, it provoked something that was almost 100% perfect in terms of, you know, write us a cozy mystery based on these prompts. And so I gave it two of the ones uh, that we had discussed, which was the, uh, I asked it to write a, a cozy mystery about a convention of cozy mystery authors. And then the main character uh, writes cozy mysteries that take place at a weed dispensary. Sure. And so I said, uh, write the first chapter of this where she finds someone, the, the author across the hall from her as uh, the police claim she's OD'd on pot brownies, but uh, our, our character is suspicious. So just, I, I asked it to do that and listen to what it's, it spat out here. Okay. <laughs> it says chapter one, the cozy mystery convention. 
Fleecy Brock Toon arrived at the Cozy Mystery Convention with high hopes and a spring in her step. I, I, I gave him the author name. As the author of the popular Weed and Wonder series, that was all it, <laughs> uh, she was excited to mingle with her fellow writers and share her love of all things cannabis. The convention was being held at the luxurious Mountain View Hotel, a sprawling complex nestled in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. Fleecy couldn't wait to get settled into her room and start exploring all the hotel had to offer. As she made her way to the room, she couldn't help but notice the buzz of excitement in the air. Cozy mystery authors from all over the country had gathered to share their love of the genre, and Fleecy couldn't wait to meet them all. But as she turned the corner to her room, she was met with a shocking sight. The door to the room across the hall was wide open, and inside she could see the lifeless body of a woman sprawled on the floor. Fleecy gasped and rushed to her room, her heart racing with fear. She had no idea who the woman was, but it was clear something was wrong. As she stood in the doorway, she noticed something strange about the scene. There was a tray of half-eaten pot brownies on the nightstand, and it looked as if the woman had ingested a large quantity of them. Fleecy's eyes narrowed as she surveyed the scene. It seemed that the police was already treating this as an overdose, but something about it didn't sit right with her. Fleecy had a feeling this was no ordinary overdose, and she was determined to get to the bottom of it. Determined to uncover the truth, Fleecy set out to investigate the mysterious death of the woman across the hall. Little did she know she was about to embark on a journey that would lead her down a twisted path of deceit and danger. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing is 100% certain is from now on in real or fanfic, oh I, will be, I will be put up against yeah. the uh, deep blue. Um, Re real so, AI or fanfic. <laughs> Kasparov and I will feel the, the sting of defeat every time. Uh, but yeah, so that's a, uh, and you know, who knows where this is, what, it, what it's trained on, where it's pulling things from. It could easily just be taking a, you know, a very similar book that someone else actually wrote and just repurposing it, which is, you know, <laughs> a lot less fun than a computer like coming up with all this on her own. But uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we discover that something like this has happened or uh, is about to happen. Oh, for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I read that they they claim that the AI is not just shopping around, you know, and pulling a little from this. It's not a cafeteria writing style. It is all within. But it's like, but what did you feed it to get this out, you know, right. back out? I think that that's the real question, and that's probably something that they're going to, you know, hold pretty close to the vest. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I I think it was it was Kasparov, right, that Deep Blue uh, finally defeated. Mm-hmm. And he claimed that uh, at night, I don't know, there was a documentary about it, a pretty famous documentary, that in the evening he would say, well, can I check out this computer? And they're like, <laughs> no, you cannot see it. And then he made the claim that, uh, that he would, they would just take chess masters in there and show him how he worked and then like, all right, feed in what you would do. Huh. So, uh, I don't know. That's just his, uh, that's his feeling about it, but... Uh, you know, yeah, for the most part, it's just gathering other people's moves and, uh, you know, so. That was a thing. Was that the Mechanical Turk from, like, the uh, early 20th century where there was oh, a yeah. guy inside of a, a guy thing? inside of a, <laughs> a machine sweating. <laughs> it would be funny. Gary Kasparov runs into, uh, you know, Magnus Carlsen at the bar and he is just like, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> right. Oh, man, I had a hell of a day. <laughs> you got some weird like impressions on your forehead. It looks like you were crammed into a box. Anyway, yeah, your, yeah, your hair is matted down. What? What is? <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, yeah, so the, we uh, we're we're finishing up Murder in Christmas River by Meg Muldoon, and it's uh, yeah, just a as cozy as it gets. Uh, 
this is the the back third of it. So we've read thirty chapters so far, and the to recap, uh, Cinnamon Peters uh, has been her office has been vandalized, her gingerbread house destroyed, the body of a gingerbread judge Mason has been found uh, stabbed to death behind her shop, and a, uh, she's being framed for this by a knife placed on her back porch, and her worst enemy. Uh, Bailey has come into her shop and, and flounced around and announced that she is engaged to Cinnamon's ex-husband Evan. Mm-hmm. And I think and uh, Kara, the owner of a ornament store, what is an or- a lucrative ornament store? Yes, who is her best friend, who is also saucy. Um, we get a lot of sauciness. In yes, this. we have old guy sauciness. Yeah, you know, young lady sauciness. A lot, a lot of sauciness. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Kara is helping her with her house, and also um, the is it who is it? Dylan? Who's the guy that's come back into town? I forget already. Daniel. Daniel has come back. Damn to town. Daniel. Damn Daniel. Damn Daniel has come back to town. They've uh, they had one kiss seventeen years ago, and it has uh, essentially defined the next seventeen years of both of their lives. Even though Daniel has suffered countless personal tragedies and uh, murders as well in in that time. Yes, his parents. Uh... Wasting away from the consumption, I assume. It's kind of off screen, but I assume, you know, he could lift them off the sheet with one hand at the end. Yes. Uh, so that that was a slow motion nightmare for him, but he's, he's back in Christmas River. <laughs> uh, well, chapter 31 begins with the, uh, the, the teases that she likes to do. Someone says, I'm going to murder that. And it's, and it said it was hopefully not Drake talking about Amanda Bynes there. Um, <laughs> but it was Kara as she, uh, she's being explained to her what uh, what um, Bailey has, her suspicions of what Bailey has done to their gingerbread house, um, strewing it all over the floor. I don't know why they why they go with Bailey. They have two arch enemies. Right. And and obviously there are many more. When the, when the thing eventually happens, I was shocked at how many how many entrants there were yes. in the gingerbread thing. We'll, we'll get to that. But I'm just saying, you, I, I wouldn't immediately, right? I mean, anybody. Yeah, I, I, that's very true, because she does have a, a bitter rival in this contest, Gretchen, who you know would drown if, her, if a rainstorm happened. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't recall why they specifically said that. I think maybe because Bailey did flounce into her shop to show off her engagement ring, so they thought maybe she was doing some, some recon. I mean, sure. I'm just saying, jumping to conclusions is all. <laughs> There's literally 20 people who could jimmy the door with like a cheap screwdriver and right. <laughs> and shatter their uh, uh, cookie panels all over the floor. Right, as we knew that uh, there also are, are meth heads uh, nearby that we yeah. are well. Uh, they, they don't get mentioned at all in this final section. There's also just a whole tavern of drunks um, that you know probably get pretty hungry after their uh, late night sessions. Yes, but she so Kara is the one, of course, who says, "I'm going to murder that." Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she stops short of saying the word. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, the response is, I thought I could see steam coming out of Kara's ears as she tried to find the right word to describe the soulless person who would destroy a work of art of, with such malicious hatred. So you actually thought you could see it? <laughs> I just chalk this, um, you know, her mental instability. She's got the shivering and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And, and visions and things. Yeah, uh, and she of, I, often she's not well. She often lapses into these like someone says something, and then she'll like sort of have maybe like uh, fifteen sentences, fifteen short sentences, like you know, I knew it then. It was her. It had been her all along. 
the the hatred the van and the, is the person just sort of sitting there like snapping her fingers and waving her eye in front of cinnamon's face as she <laughs> she goes into this i don't know yeah she has those uh reveries uh where she just disappears yeah, yeah. I, and it also you know you, you you could expect it to be like a cartoon thing like a austin powers joke where there there's a kettle behind kara that you know is is the steam coming out of her ears i don't know yeah that's it but she says that Kara had like gotten there, you know, within faster than you could possibly imagine, even though the town Christmas parade was happening. Um, so she says, I could just imagine her weaving her car around the Christmas River High School marching band and the news channel weatherman's floats were honking and yelling them to get out of the way. And I was like, oh, yeah, weaving, weaving around. And it would just be great if this is where the actual murder in Christmas River happened is that Kara just plowed through the town Christmas pageant and is like, you got to hide me, Cinnamon. <laughs> I'm a wanted woman now. Yeah, I, I lived in a uh, a town that you know, has to, is set up similarly with a, you know, an old fashioned downtown. And there was a parade and, uh, at the parade, people set up the, the folding chairs, which they tape off like the night before. Nice. So, the point being, there's no space to weave around <laughs> anything. <laughs> so she was definitely yeah. like plowing over hundreds of people. I hit an elf. Yeah. <laughs> Weaving around and honking, she smashed into the wiener mobile and knocked the poor woman <laughs> off the top of it, dressed in the hot dog her, costume. Her last words were, make some noise for hot dogs. It's, it's what she wanted. <laughs> um, but I have, uh, I have my first Sonic challenge. Oh, boy. Day. All right. Happ- yep. Happens I- right away. Um, suddenly, there was loud yelling and hollering coming from outside. I'd like you to give me an example of the difference between yelling and and then of hollering. You can do them in either, either order, but, uh, you know, yelling, hollering, okay. give me the difference. Okay. Yelling. Um... Hey, Mike! Hey! Mike! Over here! Mike! Come on over here! So that was that was yelling. Hollering. Sure. Woo! Mike! Get on down here! Come on, boy! <laughs> oh, you went for hollering with hollering, no G yeah. on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's a pig call, I guess. Is a Sure. <laughs> I think that's a. I think there's a distinction between the two. I, oh, I, that's why I asked. I want to know. I, I'm, well, trying to, I'm trying to picture it in my mind, yelling and hollering. I was amused by all this because she says that's all the yelling and hollering is for parade. It says Santa's float couldn't have been too far behind, giving the loud screaming going on. And I, I mean, I guess you've been to a parade where people were, I guess, screaming for hot dogs, but just the screaming just carries connotations of horror and terror. You know, like that maybe Santa is nude or he's. You know, firing a gun up in the air or something like. Uh. <laughs> Maybe he's just uh, gone full. Uh, he's just fountaining around his urine back and forth between the. Ah! <laughs> it's what Her- Harold is? It, is that is that her grandfather's name? Oh my War- god, Warren! Warren no, no. <laughs> it's so early. <laughs> but they they speculate about this like. Kara, uh, I mean, uh, Cinnamon is like, I, I don't think this is a coincidence because so she's dumb as a rock. But it says uh, Bailey's, Bailey's stupid and she's a homewrecker, but a murderer? I doubt she'd have any guts for that. But I wouldn't put it past her to arrange something. I wouldn't either, Kara said. So they're speculating that Bailey has called in a hitman, um, yes. which is just a, a mental leap uh, in, you know, in any given big city. I feel like that would be a hard thing for your average joe to sort of track down in a range let alone this town of five thousand. and you know yeah i understand the the bad feelings she did uh take your husband away she was your best friend and second and 
So there's got to be a lot of sting about it. But you don't immediately go to hire a hitman. Sure, she could do that too. <laughs> right. She stays stays in her lane. Uh, I, I nominate a new thing, the great sentence of the week, mm-hmm. which we probably haven't had. But who knows why crazy bitches do what they do, she said. All I know is that we're screwed. <laughs> It is. It does stand out a bit in this in this cozy novel. It sounds like yeah, I want to get that tattooed in my arm in the Grand Theft Auto font or something across my chest. Who knows why crazy bitches do what they do? So Cinnamon is you know just taking a big sip of pomegranate tea and is <laughs> curled up on yeah. the rocking chair. Who knows why crazy? <laughs> yes, yeah, so Kara, stay Kara, cozy. Oh my god. Take, take take a big lick of yogurt off the back of that spoon. Come on, we've yes. got us. We've got to maintain a, some sort of decorum here. But she goes on. She, they keep talking about that. Is that they're like, all right, we're not going to let her defeat us. We're going to still like enter this thing. And uh, but then Kara says, uh, you know, the bitch doesn't even know the meaning of warpath. Wait until she sees what we've got in store for her. So <laughs> Kara, I mean, you know, she's she's a steadying hand here. She she's she's a wild card. She comes in and she's like, you know. I think if Cozy's need something like her, like the, the the Quilters book didn't have anyone who would come in and just be like, the bitch is going to pay. Yeah. She, I mean, she's got uh, like taped to her back. She's got three uh, sharpened toothbrushes, you know, mm-hmm. with, yep. with uh, tape wrapped around the handles. Like <laughs> I'm going to shiver. Yeah. Kara's last name is Bickle. She's uh, shaving <laughs> her head into a mohawk as we speak. But the- uh, another great sentence, though. All my dreams of bright sunny skies and warm sandy beaches and tanning oil lay somewhere among the broken cookie paneling of the gingerbread house on the floor. <laughs> You're just not going to get a sentence like that in, uh, you know, in, in a good book. No, and uh, cookie panels again rearing their head, but it, that's you know that that's that smacks of AI. I feel like now it's going to be hard <laughs> not to be. see, you know, warm sandy <laughs> beaches and tanning oil. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd I'd send that back to Chat GPT, <laughs> as I would this one. It says Kara uh, left, and I could hear the screaming of the crowd as Santa Claus's float meandered down the street. <laughs> but it says here's the, the first of many great similes we have in the, of this section. The sharp noise grated on me like I was a chunk of hard cheese, <laughs> which was exactly how I felt. Yeah. So so not like a hunk of truck. She is <laughs> cold and hard and completely devoid of holiday cheer. Right. So just in case you were wondering, cheese is totally devoid of holiday cheer. Well, it stands alone. Uh, so I think that's uh, that's yes. a, that's the one accuracy we've got here. Um, but she did for a, a moment just before that, right before that, she became a, a Southern football coach all of a sudden. Oh, doing some hollering. That tired, exhausted, stressed out as a one-legged table kind of look. <laughs> she was suddenly became Sam Elliott at the Roadhouse. Yeah, she's. I'll like, sleep when I'm dead. I'm like a one-legged table. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A snake's belly in a wagon wheel ditch, amigo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there you go. That's I believe the cold hard cheese is the end of that chapter. It is. Yeah, chapter thirty-two uh, has her like you know she's taking the night off but she's ready to hit the ground running but she's talking about how tired she was i guess like Mm -hmm. serving all these pies it says that owning my pie shop was a dream fulfilled but i didn't bank on playing cashier or waitress when i had set up this place well i mean she she didn't hire a cashier or waitress so 
it can't possibly come as a surprise. Like that, that 100% was the plan, correct? Like I, I feel like she she goes between knowing how commerce works and not knowing how it works. Yes. Because then she says, um, finally around late, the tourists were steadily filtering out, which was good because I was nearly out of pies. On the bright side, I had made a lot of money for the day. <laughs> well, y- yeah, you knew that's how this worked, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you understand? Uh- it does seem like she ends every day as like, you know, Ron Burgundy posts that big brawl, just like that disheveled and being like, Whoa, I mean, I, a lot of people wow. came in here to buy pies. That took me by surprise. I even, I, she says she even ran out of pies and even ingredients to make pies. Yes. So like, just go. I mean, the good thing the Cisco truck comes every day because that's a, I do not plan well for any of this busy season. I did not plan on doing inventory when I bought my pie shop. <laughs> right. Uh, and then uh, she is uh, takes another thing takes her by surprise, which is that uh, Gretchen comes into the kitchen. Um, she says, "I didn't ever expect you to see you here, Gretchen." And to to recap, Gretchen is the uh, rival who is married to a stout, bald man who would yell at the uh, gingerbread shop judges. And she uh, she had said about them, "I didn't know the ins and outs of their marriages, but I got the feeling that Gretchen was the one who wore the pants in their relationship." And that's really all we got about her, other than. You know, they hate each other. Right, right. Uh, but we get a, a better picture of her physically, though. Yeah, this is great. The The muted light of late afternoon fell harshly on her wrinkled face. <laughs> she looked like a mummy who was in need of a drink of water. Incredible. <laughs> wow. AI, you're getting a little saucy again. Yeah. yeah. This is, so this is a good character. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, that, that's what I'm, I'm being led to believe here. That's how I mean, it seems uh, it it seems like you're gilding the lily to call her a mummy who was in need of a drink of water. <laughs> the other mummies are like, man, you need to you need to relax. You're looking rough. Hydrate, man. But it is the sort of thing. Like we get uh, we we do get some descriptions later of of Evan, her ex husband. Uh, we get descriptions of Bailey, her you know the woman who wronged her. Every negative character is just like revolting, like looks tired, looks haggard, and then like her, Kara, uh, Daniel are all just like cute as buttons, hot, uh, you know, glistening in the in the snow. So there, it's just uh, it's very cartoon logic here about who's who's attractive and who's not. Yeah, she's not going to get lost in the eye, the the green pool eyes of the. Uh mummy that was Gretchen O'Malley. <laughs> but so Gretchen has come in to say like I she's sort of like you know looking a little frazzled and like she's searching for words cuz she's broken up about the death of the judge. She's like I just wanted to come in and talk about that. I know he was found behind your thing. And Sidman uh is essentially a sociopath being like I knew that the real reason that bitch was in here is because she was snooping to see what my house was like. <laughs> She's unable to, even for a second, think that there's like a shred of humanity behind this wrinkled old mummy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, not even murder can shake her. Uh, her, gr- you know, her gripe against this woman is so, so strong. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a murder in the town of five thousand, and she doesn't think that they. That there's there she could be scared of the man who's still on the loose or just you know that the veil has been pierced in this idyllic community is it's purely about the competition uh, which leads her to give another great sentence of the week leave it to gretchen to call mason barstow an institution 
and to make it sound like he was a bag of lettuce left too long out on the counter. <laughs> what was Whoa. the setup to that one? <laughs> I think she said that she he was. Uh, it's I'm sad to hear that he was expired or something. Oh, no, yeah. there it is. It's a shame he perished like that. <laughs> That's what I would say if the bag of lettuce uh, wilted. I would say, "Oh, the lettuce has perished." We gotta, we gotta be more careful about that. It's just funny that uh, she probably had a lot of pie things to choose from. And she chose <laughs> bag of lettuce. Maybe she does sandwiches on Mondays or something. Right? Who knows? Yeah. But it says uh, she also says Gretchen says it's so shocking, isn't it? I can't believe this could happen in a town like Christmas River. I always thought this was a safe place. And Cinnamon replies. Well, it's always a safe place until it isn't. <laughs> You're going to get some murders. She's going football coach again. Yeah, it's very nice. And uh, yeah, she, Gretchen says, do you think he suffered? And then uh, Cinnamon's to herself lapses into one of those little fugues. She said it with a sincerity that took me by surprise. She said it the way you would ask after a friend. I hadn't realized that Gretchen O'Malley was human. But maybe I had been wrong. So just, yeah, a pure sociopath. I guess if you're seeing someone as a mummy, it's hard to realize that they're human. But uh, to that point. <laughs> yeah, she quite dehumanized her already. So it's good to see her kind of coming back. Mm -hmm. uh, but she parts with a phrase that, I, you know, if it was just dropped and that was it, it would be like, okay. Mm -hmm. Again, the AI has chosen <laughs> a weird one. But it, then it gets repeated. Yeah. See you tomorrow at the competition, she said. The beat must go on, right? Mm -hmm. And then she lets out a trouble sigh. And then in, you know, like in italics, the beat must go on. What? That's not something you repeat. <laughs> no. That's an odd phrase. It's very odd. I put a pin in it in case it was like a, a reveal or something at the end of the book, but it was not. It's not. Yeah. I mean, it's. A, I, I know there's a famous song, Sonny and Cher, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The beat goes on. Yes. Um, but the beat must go on. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just struck me in a in a uh, gingerbread house competition. Which, speaking of Bader Meinhof, I've seen like seven uh, gingerbread house competitions in the last. Right, just in weird stories and things. Uh, so uh, I, I guess that's how you describe a gingerbread competition. The beat must go on. <laughs> uh, to 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 the to that effect, I, I went to the uh, AI and said, rewrite that passage about the cozy mystery convention with more puns. And it did mm -hmm. say, like, Fleecy couldn't wait to get high on the breathtaking views and roll out her ideas for her next book. But then it says stuff like, she had no idea who the woman was, but it was clear that something was very wrong with this picture. So it puts the, the puns, quote, in, in, in quotes, but it, it sort of ran out of them, I think. So it thought that wrong was a pun. <laughs> so I think that it is very accurate to think that it might, you know, it's like, put some, uh, put some references to 70 songs into this. And it's like, the beat must go on. It's like, we'll dial it back a bit. Like, it needs a slider. <laughs> but that's that, the thing people say, right? Mm. Yes, exactly. Uh, she, we get a really nice cozy imagery here as, uh, as, as Gretchen leaves and she sort of watches her go out. Her husband has been waiting in the car the entire time. Uh, it says, I watched them pull away down main street, still strewn with parade streamers and horse droppings. <laughs> uh, just grip the mug of cocoa and take a big sip as you look out on main street, USA. I mean, that town, it has a lot of... Uh, I, I assume it has a pretty large tax base because of the tourism and everything. Mm -hmm. They can afford those manure bags for their parade horses, right? Yeah, dung sacks, guys with the uh, little uh, 
dust pants and brum- brooms that follow him in, in cartoon parade? Sure. Yes, they have to. I mean, <laughs> just right. strewn with horse drawings. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, we'll put put a pin in that. Yes, yes, drawings. very nice. Uh, chapter 33 uh, ends with her going to bed, but she's trying to get in touch with Daniel, who is going straight to voicemail, which based on his track record means another close family member has been murdered. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or maybe Daniel this time. Who knows? Yeah. And uh, Sin, uh, Kara says to her, like, be careful, Sin. You might not, but I remember how devastated you were when he left the first time. I, 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 it, it's been 90% of the book. I think she's pretty aware of how she felt. She still feels that way. <laughs> God. She she uh, had that emotion going strong, burning the whole time in the background while she was married. Yes, guy, exactly. So. Um, which once we meet Evan, you understand a bit better how she might, uh, those those embers might stay uh, might stay lit. Sure, yeah. Um but uh, pretty much the main chapter of this is they the main point is that they build the house and it's sort of glossed over. But the main takeaway is that it says we spent the rest of the night up to our arms in gingerbread dough and frosting and marzipan and candy decorations. The wind howled outside as a blizzard descended upon Christmas River, burying everything under a fresh three foot coat of snow. So it's just an interesting wrinkle because that's that's a lot of snow. Like, That's a lot of snow. That is quite notable. Yeah, Buffalo made made national news. I feel like with slightly less snow than that last week and last month, um, and, and it sort of just is a uh, it, it's an aside for Christmas River, the town of five thousand, where you you pointed out they don't have people picking up the horse droppings after the parade, so those are getting iced in. Those are look like Jack Torrance at the end of The Shining, but they the plow crews are are <laughs> able to handle this, I guess. It, it it sort of proves to be, at best, a slight inconvenience. And when you're plowing this amount, those of you who live with snow will know, has to go somewhere, right? And then usually, you know, after a snowstorm, temperature kind of drops, mm-hmm. usually. And uh, the big berms of snow is a big problem in Manhattan, as you know, when you get a big snow. Where do you put it? Mm-hmm. It has to, it just is there <laughs> on the sidewalks and it's four, five, six feet high, yeah. like giant berms of frozen snow filled, dotted with frozen horse droppings. Yeah, it looks I like might a, point out. Yeah, chocolate chip cookie or something. Right. Uh, so this this is a big problem, but yeah, it is very much <laughs> glossed over. Yeah, because the big they're they're doing this the night before the competition. So like, uh, if you were doing you know if you had school the next day, it'd probably be canceled, two hour delay type of thing. But everything pretty much goes off as planned. So it's a it's a, interesting to include that because it has been snowing pretty much throughout the entire book, but it's always magical snow or whatever. Um, never a three foot blizzard, but <laughs> yeah, it's just why not uh, fresh four inches. Which would still be notable. So I go, oh, yeah, it's got some snow. Yes, exactly. Put three them. feet. <laughs> <laughs> I think we came up short in uh, in the 90s. There was famously in Minnesota, there was a Halloween blizzard. Wow. And we came up short of three feet, but it was a lot. It just kept snowing. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, you know, it's like, uh, you weren't here for the fire. You know, it's yeah, a thing right. that if you were around, everybody remembers where they were and what they were doing <laughs> when the Halloween blizzard happened. So this is uh, this is quite notable for this town of Christmas. Remember the three-foot snow right. right before the cookie competition? <laughs> yeah, because, like, where is the plow guy? He's probably at the Pine Needle Tavern. Um, so he's going to have to, like... Um... Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a mess, but let's let's see how it is handled in chapter thirty four. 
I would just like to point out, though, uh, I was very confused by this sentence earlier. As we rolled out sheet after sheet of gingerbread cookie dough, Kara noticed me stealing. What? Wait. Oh, cookie panels. Into what Thank form? Right. Yes. Oh, okay. oh, a panel. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's good to That's hear. what you were making out of them. All right. Hi. <laughs> Whew. Very confused for me. Very. Moment. Extremely. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Chapter 34 says, we had a few hours before the competition started over at the auditorium. So I think she'd probably be able to maybe shovel half of her driveway in that amount of time. Or, um, I, you know, is, is Warren stranded at the bar <laughs> based on this massive blizzard that happened? Because she is supposed to pick him up every single night. Yeah, I mean, and you have to, you know, anyone who's seen a, a blizzard like that, the wind also, you will sometimes get uh, where the wind takes the snow. Oh, and yeah. I imagine it's blowing those eight foot, uh, you know, mountains up against the door of the Pine Needle Tavern. Mm-hmm. So they can't even, Warren's just trapped inside. Right. This is the greatest sure. thing that's ever happened to Warren. He doesn't have to leave. Yes. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so she goes out to her car and says, I, I walked out, I, I, Walked out to my car, buried in snow. After I scraped off the windshield and pushed the snow off the hood, I got in the cold car, took off my mittens, and et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, so uh, it hasn't been towed because of, you know, you do that when you have to plow the streets. It hasn't been plowed in, like you said. I don't know. I, it's a weird thing to harp on, but it's also a weird thing to include. <laughs> yeah, well, Main Street, I assume, is a, uh, we have them here in many towns where it snows, a snow emergency route. Yep. You have to be clear. There can be no cars on that. Yeah, and you know this three foot and then alternate uh, alternate parking for days after that. Yeah, and if you miss it, you're towed. Yeah, they Sorry. would have, they would have done it before the snow even fell because it would be such a massive inconvenience to everyone to the safety of everyone in town. Scraped off the windshield though, of three feet of snow, <laughs> all onto Kara's car. She's not going to be able to leave. I remember once I resentfully, we got a, a late snow in Minnesota. I believe it was May. Mid-July, yeah. Let that sink in for people. It was May, and it was substantial. And I got in my car and was like, it's May. I'm not going to push the snow off the windshield of my car. Wow, you're one of those guys. I, it just like, this pisses me off. So I got in and turned on the the thing and, and turned on the wipers, and I heard a loud snap wow. as the wiper mechanism <laughs> snapped in half. <laughs> And broke. Wow. I was like, God. Was that when you knew me or was it? Uh... No, this was before that. So I drove home to Bridget and just did the whole, like, why do we live here? Why do we live here? <laughs> that's so that's incredible. what I, I assume Cinnamon had happened to. Her wiper uh, mechanism is now snapped. <laughs> well, she, received a, she has received a letter um, and it is something that's going to, I'll have to just read it as it's written. It says, Dear Cinnamon. There's something I have numeral two to talk to you about. I will letter B at the gingerbread competition. So it has been, you know, speaking of Minneapolis, she has received a letter from Prince. Prince has written. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very curious. It says, good luck, sin, cheers, like, and then it's like, blah, 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 arrogance. I recognize the handwriting. It's from her ex-husband, Evan. Uh, this uh, speaks volumes of this uh, this guy. Yes, she was married. What she was? It was a high school sweetheart, right? Right after Daniel. Yeah, I think he went... sort of swooped in after Daniel. Yeah. Um, but they were married for two years, and uh, but yeah, it doesn't really add up uh, timing wise. I guess she left town for a while. She's thirty four, as we're about to be. They were high school sweethearts, married for two years, but now Bailey's engaged, and 
I think that Bailey's been together with him for two years. So uh, I'm not sure where, when they got married, but. But the first time that he left a note or something for her, did anything, I imagine it was like when Napoleon Dynamite drew the picture of that girl and asked her to the prom (laughs) and she turned it over and there's a great look on her face of just utter disgust, like in revulsion, like, oh God. So I was assuming that Cinnamon did that the first time he wrote a note to her and was like, we're done. I mean, there is no way I'm going out with you. Yeah. You can't write an E after the letter B. It's just too much work. (laughs) Yeah. She wouldn't tolerate this from Kara passing her notes and homeroom and certainly not from a grown man you know who you used to be married to yeah maybe he just never wrote a note to then because he knew like i I can't i mean it'll be over (laughs) dear cinnamon there's something i have to talk to you about it's been several hours and 15 days (laughs) i would die for (laughs) you Oh, uh, so she she heads home. She's like pretty much, you know, she's exhausted. She's been up all night, pulled the all-nighter. Um, and she comes home to shower and get ready for the competition. And Warren has already prepared her a big plate of eggs, bacon, and pancakes. So he did make it home somehow before the storm. Uh, and she got dressed. She went with a simple, elegant black turtleneck. I'm still thinking about this snowstorm because I live here. Okay. A suede skirt. And my lucky red cowboy boots. Huh. Yeah. They're very slippery. I'd (laughs) I'd be very worried (laughs) going through the icy streets after they've been kind of scraped. Yeah. You know, if there's a, if cars drive on them, you know how it goes. You get that icy slick. Yeah. Every footstep, like, yeah, re-ices and makes it harder to walk. Um, Yeah. a, A skirt as well, you know, for this, for this weather. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there it warms up after a snowstorm. So I don't know. Maybe it's like a nice, you could go skiing, you know, in just a sweater kind of day. I don't know. Yeah. And, I, you know, I know there's mountain towns out there. They're like, yeah, we handle this stuff. You know, three feet is, you know, don't write in about if your town does that. Like it doesn't, I know, it's, you know, if you're a ski resort, you're probably happy when it snows three feet. But it, it, we do not need to know how your town handles something like this. <laughs> yeah, it's a town of 5,000 people. Uh, I, I'm guessing it's not going to handle this well. Yeah, so we had a lot of football coaches earlier, and now Warren turns into a 90s dad at a playground as he says goodbye to her. He says, see ya, champ, he said. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Again, recoiling in horror. Yes. I, I just had to read a note with a letter two for the word two. Now you're calling me champ? Right. Hey, buddy. Yeah, don't let you get your baseball mitt there, champ. I saw that bully push you off the slide. You got to stand up to him. It's never going to stop until you do it, slugger. Hey, little guy. <laughs> By the way, I uh, totaled the car and ran over someone's dog on the way home from the bar last <laughs> night. It's because uh, my eyes are quite glassy, you keep pointing out. It's, you, you seem to think it's from emotion, but it's from drunken rheumatism, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Warren. So, yeah, she uh, struts out the door in her cowboy boots like she could conquer the world and heads to the Gingerbread Junction competition, which is uh, more crowded than she's ever seen it before. So, you know, uh, proving us wrong, even the uh, tourists are are able to make it out there despite these uh, horrible conditions for traveling. Yeah, again, we're going to get people like, that happened every week in my town. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no one stayed home till we got eight feet in. uh, Because it was overnight, too, you know. This, This all happened in maybe 10 hours. So, like, an actual just pure dump 
you know, four four inches per hour. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a pace. Yeah, yeah that really did. So yeah, the plows yeah. couldn't keep up. Anyway, right. but it's like it's crawling with camera crews and news reporters. So it like it draws on the level of like the all valley karate tournament and karate kid. Like it's that big of a deal here. <laughs> <laughs> this regional uh, gingerbread house competition. It's that big, you say. <laughs> Terry Silver's out there in the audience. He's he's uh, quit his job so he can sponsor Bailey's uh, gingerbread house. What does he say that uh, in that movie, by the way, where he says something pretty bland, like "I'm going to open a, oh. <laughs> I'm going to open a, a a dojo or something"? Yeah, he's like, "And I'm going to I'm going to open dojos all over the valley. I'll, I'm going to teach John Kreese's karate. Hey, I might even teach for free." And then from the crowd, you hear someone go, "Yeah." <laughs> hollering so, someone's hollering in someone the room. was hollering yeah they were just waiting for that uh announcement their kid had been wanting karate lessons that they didn't have the money and so he announced that he was going to teach for free and that really just provoked some emotion uh but uh so she's making the she's talking about her house and how proud they are of it and and now we get the reference to what it looks like mm-hmm. and uh I, I let me paint the picture for the audience because now it will immediately come into focus because i was wondering what did they do Sure. The house was better constructed and better decorated, looking like Hansel and Gretel had wandered into the big valley. Huh, kids? <laughs> the Barbara Stanwyck show from 1963? The second reference uh-huh. to it in this book? Yes. Oh, man. It's, it's incredible. Uh-huh. It's going back to the AI being like, nah, this is, you've tipped your hand. So, but so speaking of uh, Bader Meinhof with your gingerbread houses, I was down in Key West last week and went to uh, Captain Tony's Saloon a couple sure. times. A, uh, a nice establishment. It's exactly what it sounds like you'd expect. But a college football coach, Mike Leach, died this week, and a mm-hmm. uh, I read this profile of him because he he lived in Key West and. There was a whole profile about his relationship with Captain Tony's Saloon in the Washington Post, and it talked about sort of, you know, what a character he was. He had his own bar stool there, and uh, one of the things it talked about was either a former player or assistant coach uh, fondly reminisced about the time that Mike Leach debated for several hours with a homeless man about what show was better, Bonanza or The Big Valley. <laughs> so it's having so you got football coaches <laughs> it's having and a Big moment. Valley yes. and guys drinking at bars. <laughs> Talk about Bader Meinhoff. Yeah. Holy cow. Talk about cozy. It's uh Wow. So yeah, I uh we'll we'll have to feed that into one of the uh, image generators and see uh, what Hansel and Gretel and the Big Valley looks like. I'll, okay. I'll post that when we post the uh, the episode. What is his name? Captain what? Captain Tony. Captain, and it's not Captain Tony. Uh, no, Captain. no, they didn't go that far, but it's, okay. it's very much that. It's a, it's a, it's a nice establishment. There's a big uh, mounted fish outside that you're supposed to go out into the street and toss a quarter over your shoulder into its, uh, try to get it into its mouth. I assume that Captain Tony would be upset if it was noon and you weren't partying yet. Yes. Yeah. Look at this guy. Oh, sorry, he's a straight lace. He doesn't like to party. <laughs> Captain Tony. He's like. <laughs> He's like Jim on the Big Valley, who was really kind of straight-laced. <laughs> it's 9.15, Captain Tony, please. <laughs> <laughs> when did you achieve the rank of captain? I assume you would be bounced out of the service quite early. Captain Tony was elected mayor of Key West, so he really did live out. He was a pretty much a Jimmy Buffett song that was okay. came to life. Um, but so uh, Cinnamon says, 
weather we won didn't even really matter anymore. The tropical vacation would be nice, but that was no longer the point. The point was we had already won on a more important and meaningful level than any judge could give us. So which, you know, it's a it's a it's a firm settle down. They they built a gingerbread house. You know, you didn't uh you didn't you, you conquered some adversity here, but <laughs> let's let's put it in perspective. And also as we all know from watching um you know, Cake Boss or that uh, French uh, competition where they make that kind of candy cake. Have you ever seen that insane thing? No. Well, it's it's all about the, the loading in huh. and out of your thing because it's usually like seven feet high and, you know, built of candied glass and all of sure. this stuff. It's an engineering feat in itself. Yeah. So about, it seems like at least 60% of the time as they're setting it right up on the judging table, the thing shatters into <laughs> 10 billion pieces. <laughs> And that it's just like scratch him off the list. Uh, so uh, nice. So yeah, she's only, she's not even there yet. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, it moves on to the next chapter, which is thirty-seven, which is all about Bailey, who's you know she describes her. She's not a mummy, but she's like stringy hair and like hoochie high heels, uh, bleached blonde. But um, she goes on over to confront her, and uh, it's when she sees her house that seems sort of get dramatic. It says there were small marzipan horses and even a sheriff. The sign next to her house said, A Western Christmas. I looked up at her and smiled, knowing I had caught her. I had a story I could go to the police with now. Something real. So she thinks Bailey has tipped her hand that she snuck into her house, knocked over her uh, gingerbread house, her first one, but not before, you know, taking notes about, like, what an award-winning house would look like to then copy it. And I just thought, maybe Bailey is also a fan of the wildly popular show The Big Valley, and that's why she built her Christmas house like this. But clearly, the town is enamored of it. I assume it's playing at the Pine Needle Tavern on a, a loop. There's one of those like uh, free channels <laughs> yes. where you know free networks where there's the a channel ads. for it. Yeah, every commercial break. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I just want to get back to uh, Bailey's hair, mm-hmm. and this struck me as funny. I'll read the actual thing. Bailey's stringy bleach blonde hair was elegantly hanging in a loose <laughs> ponytail. <laughs> So if AI was rewriting that, Bailey's shitty garbage slut hair <laughs> yes. was elegantly hanging in a yeah. loose boat. I, I took note of that as well. It was a very – because she describes her own uh, outfit. I think she – yeah. oh, yeah, she put on an elegant black turtleneck in the previous two chapters. So um, The bar for elegance is fairly low. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she uh, – uh, Bailey essentially says, like, you know, I, or Cinnamon says to Bailey, congratulations, you know, knowing that this is going to get in Bailey's head, uh, like a little reverse gamesmanship here. But Bailey says, like, get away from my table, looking at me with hateful eyes. And Cinnamon replies, uh, she says, that would have given a weaker person a serious case of chills. But I wasn't weak anymore. I was strong. <laughs> That's just some nice, you know, quality storytelling. And then I have a, a sonic challenge for you. Uh, oh. Cinnamon says, I almost forgot. I said, I came over here to congratulate you. And then uh, Bailey replies, with venom oozing from her voice, she says, what? So just I, This is great because I have a, a Bailey sonic challenge that it, it turned out to be different, but it's in the exact same spot. Oh, nice. So this great. Is, yeah. yeah. All right. So I'll do Venom oozing first. from your voice. You have to say the word what? As Bailey. Yeah. Okay. Pretend I have elegant, stringy, blonde <laughs> hair. Clump just fell out of your elegant ponytail of stringy hair. Yes, I've got a uh, 
I've got a big diamond on, right? An mm-hmm. engagement ring. Okay, but I have bangles all over my arm. I'm probably chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it really... The venom was not dripping. That was that was really thick, you know, viscous venom oozing out yes. of there. Um, all right, your sonic challenge. Kara let out a long, frustrated sigh. Okay, what what provoked? I don't that? want a short, frustrated sigh. Okay, is is that uh, what provoked the sigh though? I think it was her going over to okay. Bailey. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, Cinnamon has said, "Man the fort, let me deal with her." Wow, Kara's less brassy and chirpy than I would have thought. <laughs> okay. Sounded like I, Norman. Yeah, from... it sort of went into some tube and throat singing by the end. Yes. Uh. <laughs> um, well, good. That was uh, nicely, nicely challenged there. The sonicness. Yeah. Two sonic challenges. Chapter 38, uh, well, I guess they've, they've been short chapters up to this point. This one has a little bit more length to it, but um, <laughs> she sort of introduces the other judges. Adam Bybee, a retired baker. Shanna Wellington, a pastry chef from Portland. The other one I didn't know. He was filling in for Mason, and I had no idea what he was looking for at our gingerbread houses. So I was taking notes. Um, I was like, oh, maybe this is maybe this new judge uh, bumped off Mason to sort of like clear the way up to the big leagues. He was like judging judging gingerbread houses in one horse towns and, and wanted an in there. I also thought maybe Evan uh, did the murdering to sort of give his fiance the, uh, the bump up. I didn't know who killed it. You got it ruined for you. So I was trying to make my predictions. Yeah. Uh, but I was surprised by the three judges. Mm-hmm. So they, somebody killed one of the judges. <laughs> somebody killed for a 33.3% chance. Sure. Of maybe of doing better, but that's uh, uh, unless they planted whoever this uh, person is, is like a best friend of Gretchen's or whatever. True. Uh, but it does seem, and and they talked about this guy like flying him in. He was there weeks early, you know. Weeks early. So did they do this for all these judges? That's what I'm wondering. Out so for one third of the judges, <laughs> a murder has been committed. I, I was just a little stunned by that. I thought maybe. Is the three panel convened as like an emergency thing because the expert had been taken away? But it doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, and you know the the other ones don't seem they they never never mentioned again. So um, you don't get a sense of their eccentricities whether they were the same as Mason traveling with his dog from Arizona and such. Hey AI, I need a gingerbread a judge name. Uh, Shanna Wellington. Now go back. To, no, no, no. It's a little too precious. Uh, and then it describes right after that, uh, the judges go over to Gretchen's table. She was back in fine form. That's familiar smug look on her face. Her husband was standing by her. The two of them, the picture of dysfunction. So, <laughs> so when we described, when I talked about them earlier, I, I told you everything we knew about her husband, which was that it said he was bald. He yelled at the judges and she wore the pants in the relationship. You can interpret that however you want to. There's absolutely no sense of whatever the picture of dysfunction is here, whether he's, you know, sipping from a flask, whether, you know, one of them has a black eye. Like, <laughs> That's exactly what I wondered, because, like, he, you know, he seems to be rather supportive of him. He might be a bit of a dish rag, whatever that means. But, you know, he's picking her up. He's dropping her off at the shop to, you know, go in and check on the judge. But the, But that's Cinnamon Peter's place. Like, honey, it's probably time she sees a little bit of your humanity. Yes. 
And then when she gets back in the car, what took you so long, bitch? <laughs> yeah, I thought that or just the pure like, yes, dear, like type of guy. Like, <laughs> no, let's go to the competition now. Exactly. So, yeah, well, we need some more information here because a picture of dysfunction can be interpreted many different ways. It's true. One one man's function is another man's dysfunction. I don't know what that means. We do get more details about it, though. So we'll, uh, you know, it just is a funny way to set the stage. It, it is, yes. Uh, main point of this chapter is that she notices someone across the room staring at her. And this turns out to be her ex-husband, Evan. And uh, since Evan is not necessarily a good guy in this tale, uh, we get the following description of him. He looked older since the last time I saw him. Grayer in the face, and a few strands of gray muddled his usually chestnut-brown hair color. His hair, too, was longer, shaggy, and almost sloppy-looking. He seemed to be a little thinner than he used to be, too. It's like, all right, come on. You can't just be thinner now. He's got to have gone to seed and, you know, chunked out at this point in time. Like, get your get your bad guy descriptions correct here. Yeah, I guess maybe she's going for more like he's tr- slowly turning into Gollum. Yeah, you know, that's like true. His, his hair is getting uh, kind of falling around. It's balding, and he's combing it over. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was eating a fish raw in the corner of the auditorium. He likes them rare and wriggling. <laughs> yeah, but she goes over to. Uh, well, she. I think she works up the nerve to go over to him uh, by giving herself a pep talk with Kara, and uh, I, I think that's that's all I have for this chapter. Uh, yeah. Wait, was that 38? That was chapter 38? 38, yes. Oh, okay. I have one thing for chapter 38. Okay. Is, uh, she says, I was overcome with a feeling of gratitude for the people I had in my life. In addition to Warren, Carol was always there for me, too. She'd struck by, stuck by me, blah, 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 and picked up the pieces. She was always there. Okay. That's two. <laughs> Who else? <laughs> right. Who, who else do you have in your life? Dr. Dr. John, I suppose. The guy who eats your pie and stalks you? Yeah. He's not He's not always there for you. I mean, he's there every day, but I don't think... Yeah, it is. I a, think he's, a fairly he's got soli- photos of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, of your feet. But it's, it's a fairly solitary existence. You're correct. Um, and, you know, Warren is a, a <laughs> 75, 80-year-old man. Drunken man, yeah. yes. Yeah. All right, so that's all I so thirty nine. Yes, is the uh, this is a longer chapter here. Great, it's a yeah. it's a con- confrontation of Evan, and uh, I might as well skip to the main reveal. It essentially, uh, she says, "I'm happy for you too, but don't expect me to go to your wedding or anything." And he grabs her arm and says, "Look, I don't know what Bailey told you, but I never proposed for her. We're not engaged. Hell, that's just crazy." So a pretty uh, pretty. I, unexpected reveal, at least you know, for me, in a book where a lot of things become uh, are telegraphed pretty obviously. So, did she buy her own ring? <laughs> like, is it a piece of costume Cost- jewelry she hides in her purse from Charles Kim? Maybe. Charles. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and she also happens to subscribe to his views on the world. Yes, so uh, she's an, became a more interesting person to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, very good question. Uh, who knows if she's wearing it during the competition, um, because that would probably be something Evan might notice. Yeah, this is very strange. So, yeah, she walks. So I guess if she only revealed it to one person, maybe it's easier to assume that they're never going to talk to each other. Otherwise, that's a pretty big lie to uh, 
to try to uphold. Right, because you, uh, you know, you, if you're doing that, you're all you're hoping is that Cinnamon, you know, she's wrecked by it, but clearly she's going to go and like mention it to someone else at the Pine Tree Tavern because it's a gossipy little town. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so that's nuts. But then he, um, this was very odd. Like I already, obviously, we don't like this guy already. No. But I, uh, he ran a finger up and down the bare skin of my lower arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, baby, <laughs> I'm not actually engaged to her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, he's the uh, classic creep in the uh, in the you know Adam Sandler movie who gets in the way of you know Adam Sandler falling in love with Drew Barrymore type of guy. The and I guess that's probably a hallmark staple as well. Yeah, the, did I get a little grayer? Ah, maybe, but that's just because I was thinking about you. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God, you haven't trimmed your thumbnail in like you know four weeks. It's all like yellow and chipped. Yeah, is it turning you on, baby? <laughs> it certainly is. It's awful. Uh, uh, but yeah, she as he is doing that, he apologizes and says like, "My life has been hell ever since I left you." And you know, she uh, she goes numb and feels like she's been bitten by a swarm of mosquitoes. Yes. <laughs> What? Uh, itchy all of a sudden? I don't know. I I have been bitten by a swarm of mosquitoes. <laughs> Did it feel like uh, when a when an ex loved one confesses that they've always like kept you in their heart? Uh, I, I nothing like that. It's <laughs> shockingly different. It felt like malaria was coursing through your veins. Oh, it felt uh, very very itchy and painful and strange and. Uh, yeah, I was actually on a camping trip once, uh, so many mosquitoes, and just like DEET, it felt like they were licking the DEET up, you know. And going, <laughs> Laughing mm, at you. This yeah. Is, yeah, this is good, and biting us, and so we were at a stop, we were going to portage, and so we had to run back and forth along the road, eating hot, cold hot dogs. Before we started, because otherwise when you stopped, they would just swarm you. So we we just run back and forth you would, eating hot dogs. You'd plan to eat the cold hot dogs just like sitting by the campfire, like but you had to yes. eat them on the go was the change in yeah. plan there. Yes, of course. <laughs> You're making a big case for Minnesota, I think, in this episode. That's my big takeaway. Uh, this might have been Wisconsin. Okay. Let's not sure. let's spread the blame a little bit. Uh and then after all that, uh he sort of uh she says, like, those words, I'd been waiting to hear them, but now they, sound, they sounded nauseating and sickening. And then he scoops up her up and brought his lips down to mine and kissed me a kiss full of regret and desperation. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, a challenge for you with your partner. Oh, yeah. Give them a kiss. Yeah, don't tell them what you're about to do it. Just try to give them a kiss like see that and they... see how they respond. What do you think What do you think this is? What is this kiss full of? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, yes. And then, of course, true to the genre of cozy mystery slash Hallmark movie, uh, as this person has pulled her in for the unwanted kiss, she pulls back, you know, doing like the cleaning her lips off like a second grader or whatever. Uh, she looks over and Daniel is standing there watching them. She's he's seen them kiss and it wasn't so hurt as much hurt on his face as it was disappointment. And we get the actual words. Damn, Daniel Brightman. <laughs> Where have you been all these years, boy? Yeah, so very close to a damn it boy from Trucking Through yeah, Time as well. Indeed. I didn't even piece together the damn Daniel. That was probably, it could have been right about the time of it, maybe a year or two early. <laughs> very nice. <Could> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they have their, you know, uh, they have their testosterone off. Yeah. Glaring and everything. 
Um, but Daniel uh, uh, needs to talk to, uh, or she needs to talk to Daniel. Yeah. So uh, they they break it up. We get it. And she felt like she wanted to scrub her mouth out with soap. <laughs> How bad was this kiss? What was he doing? Yeah. Hey, I don't. I ain't brushed my teeth since you left me, Cinnamon. Yeah. You know what? It's bitter because I was eating a lot of uh, arugula before I uh, kissed you, and I, I guess I didn't brush my teeth. <laughs> I saw one of them frozen horse poops and thought I would just see if that uh, tasted any better once it had been buried in that snowbank. Tasted surprisingly exactly like you'd imagine it did. <laughs> it didn't change it at all. Uh, I did like this glimpse into Evan's uh, sort of... Um, all of you had his physical descriptions, really, and the creepy uh, thumb-running stuff, but into his... Uh, just the mental acuity of him it says uh he asked daniel where he's been and daniel says california sounds nice evan said listen i'd love to catch up but i've got a few more things to talk to my wife about ex-wife i said glaring at him well nonetheless evan said trying to take my arm again so (laughs) so that's that's his uh, rhetorical gambit speaking of deep blue chess maneuvers that's a uh checkmate right there oh it's as good as uh over the top (laughs) Damn you. No. Damn you. Oh, damn. Ah, you did me not again. expect that. Evan. Oh. Evan, you clever son. <laughs> Nonetheless. Uh, and uh, she uh, shivers with disgust as uh, before she wants to wash her mouth out with soap. So he's just really a, a treat for the ladies. So she goes home and Warren sees her in the bathroom with a, a bar of life boy in her mouth <laughs> like Ralphie from Christmas Story. <laughs> Oh, you were with Evan again, weren't you, Cinnamon? Oh, well. <laughs> so bitter. <laughs> well, chapter 40 moves on to her sort of uh, asking Daniel where he's been because um, he wasn't returning her calls and all. And he uh, informs her that he wanted to test the knife someone left on her porch, but he didn't trust the yahoos in the Christmas River uh, um, Detective Agency. So he took it to Portland to have him process it there. Whether he got permission from the, <laughs> the Christmas River Police Department to do this or whether he stole evidence and interfered with the ev- uh, the investigation is, is left unclear. Yeah, the chain of evidence is obviously now broken and inadmissible in any court. So. <laughs> because he took it to Portland. Uh, are you, you are just a guy, right? Yes, yes I'm just a guy. Right. No authority whatsoever. <laughs> but, uh, but keep this in mind as you think about the, uh, this is a, a physical description of Daniel. As you think about the person who looked like a mummy who needed a drink of water, um, who you know drowned in a rainstorm, all of that. Uh, here's Daniel in contrast. He looked so ridiculously good and wholesome and right. Everything I'd been looking for my entire life, but clearly hadn't ever found. <laughs> Is there a beam of light shining down from the heavens onto him as like a choir of cherubim and seraphim are uh, you know toasting hosannas a dove descended yes this is wow daniel damn daniel <laughs> but you can't you can't even you know talk about his you know chiseled jawline and like rippling muscles because that's too much for a cozy mystery i guess he's not even like being like oh where's the judging station is it over there you know pointing <laughs> to flex to do it like it's just he's making him seem like a messiah good and wholesome and right <laughs> just give me a little yeah like you know i think later she describes his uh buffalo plaid jacket and stuff okay. like that so so i guess he's you know 
a handsome guy from Yellowstone or something like that. Sure. Yeah, even he's, that. I mean, yeah, I, we know what he is. He's a handsome guy from a Hallmark movie. There's no <laughs> his tight jeans revealed a substantial bulge, you know, by his knee. <laughs> <and> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he says so. This is great because the sheriff proves to be a major character in these final uh, chapters. Someone's trying to frame me, I said, my heart thumping away. That's not what the sheriff thinks, Daniel said. So it just is a very, the sheriff is very quick to label a local business owner a murderer in this thing. Like someone with no, you know, history of anything like that. Um, you know, someone who just has been, who's from the community, raised there, came back, and is now just running a very respectable and profitable business. And... Uh, I would point out, yeah, so and it, this is all based on the fact that he found a knife, right? The, <laughs> Great. the most easily plantable piece of evidence yeah, in the world. Right. But, uh, but we do get one more reference to the, this will irritate people who live in snow towns, but sorry. Uh, Daniel drove through the mountains to Portland, and she said, you went all that way for me? The mountain pass must have been a nightmare. I mean, they usually close those, right? Oh, I mean. <laughs> With three feet of snow at the level that they're at, at, at I, river level. I believe it would be indisputable. We got, to, there was a snowstorm when we were in Breckenridge, Colorado, three years ago. And uh, we were supposed to get to the airport. The, the shuttle driver, uh, you know, they, they canceled it. We were like, oh, how are we going to get here? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I called. I was like, hey, this is this is kind of bullshit. Like, we've got a flight to catch. And the guy was so obviously trying to keep a level tone being like, well, if you have any other ideas how to get through the closed Eisenhower Tunnel, I'd uh, you know be happy to get you to your flight on time. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, like I mean, they opened it up a couple hours later once you know they had dealt with stuff, but there's a time when that's going to be impossible. But Daniel just says, "You're right, it wasn't pretty." But like I said, I don't trust these yahoos. <laughs> so just hand wave away the uh, the three foot blizzard, probably even more up in the mountains. So. So he's driving. There's there's people there with uh, you know flashlights and uh, yellow vests on, yeah. and the, you know visibility is like a foot. And he's driving up, and he's got a knife next to him in the seat. <laughs> like, sir, turn around. I need you to turn. Whatever your business is, it's not that important. It's death up ahead. <laughs> jackknife truck after jackknife truck. Yes. The ambulance will never make it to you in time. If you got a snow machine, you might fight through it, but I don't think so. <laughs> but he makes it there and back and says it wasn't pretty. So yes. Good. <laughs> uh, he also has some, he drops some knowledge. Uh, he says, this wasn't some cold-blooded murder. I think Mason knew whoever killed him, and I think he knew them well. What, any, anything he's basing that on, or is that just, you know, we're, we're going to hand wave that away as we did the, the traveling to Portland in a snowstorm? I don't think there's any basis for that. Okay, just, that seems like a complete flight of fancy. I almost went back to the prologue to sort of, because that was where they described this murder to have to see if there's anything there. But Daniel would not have, you know, witnessed that prologue or anything like that. Um, uh, so I guess it's like he wouldn't have been out there unless he had known something. You know, but like, you don't know this judge either. So I don't know. He's a big city cop. He probably knows things that these small town yahoos don't. Once once we get to the actual solution, I have a lot of questions. About <laughs> okay, it. all right. Well, let's uh, <laughs> let's make our way there. <laughs> okay. Chapter forty one says that the crowd was starting to get antsy because the judges had been conversing now for half an hour, and it appeared they had not chosen a winner yet. <laughs> so it's uh, on the verge of turning into like ten cent beer night or disco demolition night. You're gonna have a riot <laughs> at the gingerbread. A half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine the judges at the dog show, Westminster Dog Show, probably discuss it for all of two minutes before they make a decision. 
I used to, uh, I, I wrote for a while on a, a, a quote unquote live TV show, you know, it was taped, but it had a live studio audience okay. and we would do like four or five shows with the same audience. Okay. And, and they sat in, you know, a small bleachers, but you know, there was a, a, a good amount of them. And it would be like show four and people would just be, the cameras are off and people would be yelling at me as I ran around with a clipboard like, this sucks, man. You got to get me out oh of my here. God. And I'm like, can we let these people, is there another audience? Like, no, we got to do two more shows. So do whatever you can. And I'm like, these, I'm trying to make them laugh. Like they hate me. They, they hate this situation. A beer it's like they're being him. trapped on a plane. Yeah. And the toilets are overflowing. Wow. Like, this is awful. So. <laughs> Bodes well for when people are going to be watching it at home. Yes. Wow. Uh, yeah. The, the, the laugh sign goes on and people just flip double birds at it. Nope. Like, oh, God. <laughs> They're, they're hollering instead of laughing. This is not good. Yes. <laughs> so that's what's happening at the gingerbread competition. So while everyone's getting antsy, uh, she's just sort of talking to Kara. But then a deep voice says, Cinnamon Peters. No, it, And it's a sheriff. So it's a deep voice sheriff, which is a, mm. a, another a 372 mm-hmm. trope. But it's Sheriff Trumbo who comes over uh, with a reporter with a camera who's leering at her. And <laughs> to which her response here is another classic Muldoon simile, my mouth suddenly went as dry as the high deserts of eastern Oregon. So just a classic thing that I'm always comparing things to myself. I was like a mummy who needed a drink. (laughs) Uh, But he, Sheriff Trumbo, was standing in front of me. This is a challenge for everyone at home. There's no way we can do this. But uh, was standing in front of me, an authoritative look on his face. Nice. And then to my right, a camera with an eager-looking reporter, was leering at me. The camera so, was? The, uh, a, a camera a with camera an eager-looking reporter With an eager-looking reporter was leering at me. So <laughs> I just recreate that scene with your significant other this evening. Sure. And, uh, one of you play the authoritative look. The other play a camera-wielding reporter who is eager but leering. It was a. Uh, it, it could look a little like uh, American Gothic, maybe. I guess no one's really leering in there. But uh, <laughs> we did. Right. We put out a request for a. Uh, I think the sheriff. Um, we'll get to this in emails, but the sheriff had made an interesting lip gesture in the previous section. And oh yeah, someone he did, stuck out his top lip. Yes, someone did send us a picture of a uh, one of their horses recreating that look. So we've got. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the sheriff is looking like this because he says, "Cinnamon Peters, you're under arrest for the murder of Mason Barstow." So we've chosen yes. to do the uh, the dramatic public arrest. Uh, Yes, he's frog walking Cinnamon Peters down the hallway. <laughs> Local pie shop owner. <laughs> uh, and quickly, this 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 uh, ventures into uh, chapter forty-two. Uh, Ernest Klein says, "Nice," as he recognizes the significance of that number in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Universe. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> this is where everything sort of comes to a an head, and. Um, as he's sort of frog walking her out of here, um, I don't think he cuffs her, but he does grab her wrists and wrists, and uh, you know there's cameras everywhere. But you hear, "Get this damn animal off me! Get it off me!" And he's still walking her out of here, ignoring this disturbance. And it says, "Get Mason's damn runt away from me!" The voice cried again. And so that's where my real time notes were like, "Oh my God, is this going to be?" like an Encyclopedia Brown reveal, where it's like, "How did she know that was Mason's jo- dog?" Type of thing. Nobody said he was murdered. You said murder. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the uh, it's a short chapter. Uh, chapter 43 goes into 
Huckleberry had a hold of Gretchen O'Malley's leg. Here's the most curious simile of all. Do you want to read it? Uh, I'm still Uh, scanning. Huckleberry had a hold of Gretchen O'Malley's leg like it was a drumstick that someone had used to beat him with. (laughs) There it is. uh, Yes. Common thing? Beating beating dogs with turkey or chicken drumsticks? I don't really think that's... (laughs) I don't know, that common. Anyway, but he was getting his revenge. So Huckleberry's just latched into her leg and is just chopping on it in the middle of this competition, letting out uh, low guttural growls, clenching his jaw firmly on her calf, shaking it, and she screams again, her cries echoing through the gymnasium. The strange thing was nobody was doing anything. It was as if we were stuck in a snow globe, watching the scene unfold in a glass orb of water. So two similes in a row. Two insane similes. This is bananas. Like, what? (laughs) First of all, she... I'm just going back. I just want to track the screaming. Okay. A scream ripped through the crowd. A scream of pain, of agony, of frantic hurt. Get this damn animal off me. A woman screamed, get it off me. (laughs) And so this is happening, and they're watching the dog clamping down on her leg like a drumstick, and they freeze? Mm -hmm. The entire crowd? (laughs) Like it, like, There's a huge auditorium of people, right? Packed with people, yeah. Audit- Utterly packed. And it's, yeah, but they're acting as if they were stuck in a snow globe. You know, we've all been there. Sure. <laughs> uh, uh, a question, though, I'm I'm going to call foul on something from last week. Okay. Didn't real or fanfic, uh, I got fooled by one that was basically this, just kind of rewritten with her getting arrested or something. Was it? Uh, well, I thought she was in a cell. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't see, I, don't know. I mean, the sheriff had already been suspicious of her being in the murder. We do. I know. I, I understand. We have explicitly said, do not just take stuff that happens in this book and slightly rewrite it later for fanfic. That is. A, I'm just. I'm just saying. Yeah. It was. It's close enough. Where it wasn't so a flight of fancy. She does get arrested. Sure. It was in the prison cell. I think he was locking the cell. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know. She was. She's clapped in irons. Here. I think you could anyway, speculate look, based on the sheriff being suspicious of her that that might happen. Let the listener decide. Okay. Anyway, but no. We, we, that is forbidden. That is. That is. We have said that's forbidden. Do not do that for future real or fanfic. Okay. Um, <laughs> But you know, maybe maybe all the screaming here, people just thought that Santa Claus was going by in a parade outside, and so that's why they didn't react. I don't know. Santa Warren's here again, and yep, he's got no pants. <laughs> ah, no! Oh, God, not again! <laughs> uh, so, essentially, Huckleberry is shaking her leg, she's screaming, and Daniel st- then kneels down beside her and says, You killed him, didn't you? You killed Mason Barstow! I don't know what you're talking about. She cried, her face red and puffy, her hair a tangled mess. No word on whether it still looks elegant. Uh, (laughs) You do. I know you do. The dog knows you did it, and so do I. Say it. She screamed again. Oh, wait. She tried to lash out at Huckleberry, but he came back at her tenfold. Oh, my God. Her leg is hamburger at this point. just tore it apart. She screamed again. It was bordering on torture now. And then uh, she placed a hand on Daniel's shoulder, but he didn't seem to notice. She's bleeding, Daniel. Fine, she's cried. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's purely, yeah, just a a Columbo or Scooby-Doo villain, as if a dog was gnawing their leg off. But I didn't mean to do it, I swear. 
<laughs> she screamed. Yeah. And so I thought the do- the sheriff might have shot this dog by this point in time. Like he's well, you know, the, the, for all he knows, his dog is you know a rabbit and attacking a citizen. Yeah, the sheriff froze like he was in a snow globe too. Does not speak well. Yeah, I mean this is uh, you know even Barney Fife tries to get the uh, you know the, the one cartridge out of his pocket for this, but this yeah, um, and and so as I'm reading this, I'm like, well, obviously, a confession under duress as a dog clamps down on mm-hmm. your on your drumstick is going to be inadmissible in court. Yes. Um, as you know, the, uh, uh, and who was, uh, trying to coerce the confession out of you? Some guy. <laughs> oh, oh. Did, w- was he a, a, an official of, no, they asked him for help. <laughs> Here we go. The, a listener named Hayden wrote in and said, as a lawyer, I have some opinions about this. Oh, okay, good. He says, uh, she, Gretchen's being mauled by a dog. It's being held on a leash by a cop that is investigating the murder under the authority of a local law enforcement. A cop dirty enough that he had to leave the Fresno force. We'll get to that. A cop that is doing nothing to stop the dog and actively pressuring her for a confession that she desperately gives. Not only is everything she said inadmissible, all evidence gathered as a direct result of that initial confession is now also admissible. <laughs> it says the dog bites she supposedly suffered earlier they are now covered by new dog bites from the same dog the only thing that would possibly tire to the murder is the knife the same knife that the dirty cop himself took to portland the same yes. cop that is actively trying to start a relationship with the most obvious person of interest a person the sheriff was going to arrest which the dirty cop would know there would be little to no admissible evidence <laughs> a suspect to point the finger at and a dirty cop cinnamon and a dirty cop to blame for anything that remains it is a dream case for the defense a da would be hard pressed <laughs> to even bring it into court <laughs> so thank you for that okay. uh, a- expert analysis yeah everything that you n- the red flags raised are confirmed by an actual lawyer okay good all right i thought so but it says, I knew at that moment, sensing the anger in Little Huck's eyes that it was true, the dog didn't lie as he's being yanked backwards and continuing to growl with an insane look of vengeance in his eye. Uh, Huck, uh, Mason, Gretchen had killed Mason. Huckleberry had seen it, and now he was avenging his dead master. So the dog has a lot of agency here. Uh, and Daniel just uh, you know, reroutes the arrest of Cinnamon Peters to, of course, Gretchen. Well, no, no, the sheriff, after all this, someone says, call the woman an ambulance. Sheriff Trumbo saw me and pushed his way over. Cinnamon Peters, you're under arrest for the murder of... <laughs> and that's when Daniel says, no, 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 this is the one you want here. So the sheriff is, uh, you know, ignoring that confession, maybe because he knew it wouldn't hold up in court, but uh, he's he's determined to double down and, and ruin himself over this, uh, over this uh, investigation. And he stood in front of me, protecting me in the nodded to Gretchen, who was whimpering in a fetal position on the cold auditorium floor. Um, and maybe we could get a, a medical person to weigh in on this. Uh, I once saw two guys uh, went into a this. This was in Wisconsin, by the way. Nice. Two guys went out for uh, from a bar to uh, have a little bit of a fight. One of them pulled a knife, and uh, he nicked the other guy's femoral artery. Oh my god! So he came back in, and his entire pant leg was—you could see the blood pulsing out of mm-hmm. it. And he went to, and then they were like, cool, because they had this fight, right? Like, we're good. And then um, the uh, the ambulance came in, and the two, and everybody knows it, it's a small town. Like, hey, you're bleeding pretty bad. It looks like it nicked your femoral. We need to get you into the auto, or into the hospital right away. And the uh, the guy goes, 
just got myself a picture. You're going to have to wait. <laughs> and they're like, John, damn it, man. Wow. And I witnessed this. Anyway. Warren? Point, point, yes, it was Warren. Does does uh, Gretchen, did she get it? You know, the, there's a lot of, you know, blood, important blood vessels running through the leg. Yeah. I'm just concerned about her is all. Yeah. She could be bleeding out as everyone sits there frozen like a snow globe. <laughs> yeah, as a sheriff for rest another person. I think it's a legitimate concern, especially since she's okay. sick, old and frail as well. Okay. This is going to let, right. you know, she's going to be even more desiccated after this moisture seeps out of her leg. Yeah, she can't spare that moisture. <laughs> well, in chapter 44, they sort of flash forward and say that nobody got the grand prize. Uh, they cancel the whole competition because of this and say they were wrong to let it continue after Mason was found murdered after suspicious circumstances. And that's it's probably true. <laughs> this is shocking, though. So uh, after the freak show had taken place, uh, Christmas River showed up on every news station radar for 500 miles around. <laughs> um, tick them off here. We, we A murder, an arrest, a confession, a dog attacking a woman who looked like a mummy, and only 500 miles around? Yeah. I mean, this seems like national news. And Cinnamon Peters, pie shop owner. Yep. She's cute as a button. She's going to be photogenic as hell as you put it up there. Like, a uh, pie shop owner wrongly accused as dog attacks. I mean, this is... Come on, this is Larry King show. Yeah, Jay Leno monologue. You've got the dancing yes. Warrens coming out. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. five hundred miles. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, this would be a, a a nationwide story, and you'd have you know truthers like looking at photos of Cinnamon, trying to think like, oh no, it was actually her all along. Still, even though the woman confessed, she'd have negative oh, reviews yeah, on Yelp like for her yeah. pie shop. Yeah, be, yeah, this would be um, the internet sleuths would be on this for for months on end. <laughs> 500 miles that was it yeah right yeah uh, especially because they'd be like you know three feet of snow had fallen and people still showed up for this these were all crisis actors no they were all there they were in the auditorium overnight planning to do this someone comes up with a, a little rhyme like uh, you know or some little meme like you know fire doesn't melt steel to come up with a big conspiracy and uh, right they're analyzing her house for clues like they're you know f seeing a confession in the uh in the big valley scene she had laid out like you know oh, oh yeah through the the google maps they can like see through her front window the big valley's on and you can see the date of the episode yeah she's so. watching an episode where a uh, the sheriff got a false confession out of the town drunk or something and that's <laughs> that's what they pin it all on wow well of course the internet does not really exist in this book so it's a that's true uh, <laughs> sorry um but it says one of the organizers stepped down and there were promises of regulating next year's competition so it wouldn't ever get hand, out of hand again. So they're going to uh, just implement some uh, contingency plans in case of murder, which is a you know probably something the competition didn't think they needed, but a good thing to have going forward. Certainly, yeah. You, you know, you, you plan for the worst is, is what you do. So, But we get the details of what happened, um, which she says, uh, I heard about it mostly from secondhand sources. And then goes on to list insane details that these secondhand sources have provided her because obviously it's just recounting what happened. But uh, essentially, uh, Gretchen and the judge had been banging for months. Yes. They were meeting up at the uh, High Springs Lodge, getting dinner. Uh, no word about whether like the bald-headed husband was like watching from a chair or anything like that. But oh, God. Uh, it's, well, you know, it's, she wore the pants in the relationship. It says it was hard for me to imagine the yeah. two of them 
they were both so old, <laughs> so past the reasonable age to do something like that. Which is like, does she mean just the sex? It's like, it's like, wow. <laughs> it says even if there was, even was a reasonable age to do something like that. So this is about as sordid as a uh, sordid as a uh, as a cozy mystery is ever going to get. It is funny though that she, you know, past a certain age, you shouldn't be doing anything sordid. I mean, why don't you do something wholesome like start drinking at the bar at nine a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Until you're blind, piss drunk. <laughs> Need to be driven home. Yeah. Or uh, wholesome, like rubbing your thumb against your ex-wife's bare arm and then calling her his wife still. Oh, that was incredible. I, 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 she does not have a grasp of human nature is all I'm going to say. <laughs> I mean, how old were they? They were that old. They looked like they? mummies. I mean, yeah, it didn't say anything about Mason, but... Uh... He he seemed like he was still sort of dapper. Um, so, I mean, you could imagine him having sex, but not this King Tutankhamen. common. Um, but that the way they were, they found the uh, actual evidence is that in a search of Gretchen's house, they found a note stuffed inside a base of a lamp on her nightstand that was written by Mason. So they did a really thorough source here, uh, search here. Uh, that's sort of what happened in that other cozy mystery we read uh, on Patreon, right? Wasn't there like a, they found a note that she had written inside her nightstand as well. So... Standard spot for these uh, notes to be found. Where where's the space inside the base of a lamp? Yeah, I'm wondering. I don't. I mean, I don't know every lamp. Uh, I have a big grudge against lamp design, by the way. Okay, which we'll talk about. <laughs> why, why is the you know the little plastic thing that you spin around to turn on and off the lamp? Mm -hmm. Why is that placed way up inside the shade of the lamp? Yeah, you do have to really fumble. It, it, it's the most awkward unergonomic thing in the world why is it not on the base of the lamp yeah why did like, why, why are we still putting up with on, this like the one that sort of you know your your finger conducts the yes yeah. come on <laughs> come on lamp designers this is the most awful design and that little plastic ubiquitous plastic thing to turn the little switch that has a very unsatisfying that click metallic awful click you can do better than this wow all right well uh all right King's things. John. We'll have some <laughs> some gripes about lamps in here, or a. Uh, yes. I'm sure I could write you an AI mystery about a lamp designer who has uh, found someone dead because of their inferior designs. Oh, I'm going to repeatedly stab a lamp designer in my AI uh, fiction. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Mason's was going to tell Gretchen's husband about the affair. Maybe he would have enjoyed hearing about that. I don't know. But she says she. They went to confront him. She brought the knife along, which showed premeditation on her part. Um, and you know, maybe she doesn't know why, but everyone knows how the story ended with him dead in the woods and, uh, but she hadn't bet on his dog being along. Um, <laughs> and I guess the, the police thought that in the time that they were investigating the murder, that's when she came up with the idea of framing Gretchen, um, and was going to planting the knife. And that was when I was like, remember that she's getting all this from secondhand sources. This is <laughs> how all this information has traveled is through the, uh, the bar flies at the pine needle tavern. And the tourists uh, talking and chattering about it uh, because they were interested. The tourists who came in to get the gory details of the murder and left with a full stomach of homemade pie. It's <laughs> a gross description. Yeah. Uh, Clearly. And, and, yeah. All the tourists ahead. are just going to be thrusting camera phones in her face and being like, why did you kill Mason? Oh, you know, then, <laughs> oh, her hesitation here proves that she did it. Look at her. See her left eye tremble. Yeah, right. Definite proof. <laughs> yeah, or they're just taking the pies to like a lab and having advertise, you know, analyze the ingredients or anything. Uh, now we get this curious phrase a little bit later. Our gingerbread rivalry, 
was well documented. Oh, God. <laughs> and police believe. So I went to the dark did web. Did you now? I did not. Okay. I'm yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did not go to that. <laughs> Another thing, though, pointing out that was well documented. Well documented. Yeah. I mean, the local paper, that's got, there's got to be a local paper in this town for future books that will uh, have articles and stuff in it like that whenever the, the plot needs them. Yeah. Do you think their local uh, library uses to to uh, classify those with uh, microfiche, microfiche, or, or, or microfilm? Film. Yeah, because I, I uh, we just did a movie that uh, that has a big distinction. There. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I bet that this library has that since the internet does not exist. They probably have both of them um, operating in the local library. But they do if they have so much money from the tourist trade. Of course, they have both. One of the quilters worked at the library, right? That was the whole basic yes. thing. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah. how that yep. uh, is integrated into that town. Yeah. But the main point of all this is that uh, uh, Cinnamon still like knows better. They think everyone else in town, all the cops, think Gretchen broke in and ruined her house. She still very much thinks it was Bailey, and uh, but has no evidence to support it, so can't press charges. <laughs> Which is weird, uh, you know? But then uh, I like that this chapter goes out, by the way, on a, I think it's a pretty big slam of Hawaii. Okay. So I don't know if we have listeners in Hawaii, but uh, Hopefully. Here, here you go. Winning wasn't everything. Trips to Hawaii were nice, but in the big scheme of things, Hawaii was just a place on the map. God. You hear that, Hawaii? <laughs> you sons of bitches. Yes, really. You're just a place on the map. Hopes it doesn't say that about every like tragedy that occurs somewhere. An earthquake happens. Uh, well, you know, Chile's just a place on a map. <laughs> God. Yeah, pretty cold about Hawaii. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's how that chapter goes out. She expresses some pimp sympathy for Gretchen at the end of it. You know, she's like, she was human too. But uh, it's like, eh, let's move it on. Um, uh, she meets up with Daniel in the next chapter. He takes her to a bridge where uh, he used to fish with his brother when they were kids. Uh, <laughs> a wooden footbridge to talk yeah <laughs> and the snow is lightly fall i assume is there a, a what is it the chill frosty air uh, for, uh, anyway she has that cozy uh tick that she does about the air yeah she has a tick about the air cozy. chill to the wind or the nip to the air but she says she uses this a lot too the whole world seemed to turn an ominous shade of red as the day died um yeah, which is a, I think, needlessly dramatic at this point in time. Uh, <laughs> the uh, it, it talks about the sheriff saying it, it might ruin his chances for re-election. The whole country saw his IQ level with this case, so it has traveled more than five hundred miles. If the whole country is bearing witness to it now, um, and yeah, yeah, that was that was a cheat. Yeah, one might hope that that would ruin his his election uh, chances here. <laughs> um, but he, we get more information into what Daniel did uh, when he went to California yeah. to become a cop. This is incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, just to let, back it up a bit. Daniel stood by as a dog mauled a old woman and shouted, you know, coerced a confession out of her. Um, so that's, you know, we saw the, the cop side of him there. Um, you know, which it, it would, I would love to see that happen in a Hallmark movie. I guess it would probably be played for laughs and not, you know, chewing through arteries as you described. I hope that the, I, I picture the exchange as a lot of uh, witness style yelling. Um, let the listener understand, of course. No, 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 you got that right. Get that dog off me. Get that dog off me. No, no, no. Get that part of that dog off you. But so he says what he did when he went to California. He says, 
Um, <laughs> well, this is an interesting tidbit. It was a convenience store robbery, and the guy who did it never got caught. Nobody cared about the case. Only I cared. So that's an interesting one. Like, I understand that might happen if it was like, uh, you know, a, a bike getting stolen or a breaking and entering uh, car theft type of thing. Nobody cared about the the murder. <laughs> like, what is the, who is that an indictment of? Yeah, that is. I mean, I assume that this was also maybe it even reached five hundred miles around <laughs> the murder of a yeah. of a guy's uh, of a, of a guy in a convenience store robbery. I guess it's a stray. You know, he didn't set out to murder him, so it's just a wrong place at the wrong time. Um, that type of thing. But you know, people usually do try to at least track that down. <laughs> And then she follows up with the question I think we would all ask is, uh, did you ever find him? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And he replies, it took a decade and a half, but I did it. I tracked the bastard down. (laughs) Yeah. So this gives us an inkling into Daniel's Daniel's past, which involves, you know, yarn walls, uh, a lot of just, uh, you know, the the guy who found the Zodiac killer just like getting gaunt studying these things until the odd hours of the night uh, uh true detective um yep. you know Ro- Ross or Russ or whatever isn't it Rust yeah uh, no cigs. furniture yeah. you know just a bottle of whiskey and a computer yeah. and the and the yarn wall and just like man you're you're living a strange life here shut up man yeah. There's a fire burning inside of me. <laughs> Russ, this is this guy. tearing apart everything that's happened in your life. Well, if you think anything more important than tracking this man down, I'd like to hear it. Yes. Sorry for uh, hollering at you. Eating nothing but, uh, you know, gas station burritos yeah. and uh, drinking whiskey <laughs> and a decade and a half. Uh, and, you know, I guess he's still on the force at this point in time. And so he's, you know, his neglecting other cases they're falling by the wayside the his lieutenant saying like shape up or ship out type of thing but he eventually did track him down and he says uh i always knew when the moment came i'd know exactly what i do not meeting my gaze i thought i'd be able to control myself but i was wrong (laughs) and she says did you kill him no but i heard him i heard him pretty bad the department covered for me, even though they shouldn't have. Anybody else would have had their badge taken away. And it says, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't pretend to be a police officer, a protector after what I did. But there's not a day that goes by when I don't think of what I did to that guy, the way he looked when I got through with him. <laughs> C- cozy. <laughs> He's, I mean, I'm, I'm picturing uh, Goodfellas. Yeah. Uh, Curb stomping. The- when, no, when he she says like he hurt me or whatever, and she's crying, and he goes like, "Is that is that son of a bitch home?" And he drives to the house, uh-huh. and they're fixing the car. He and his buddies, and he just walks up and just pistol whips his face, <laughs> just like screaming yeah. and swearing at him, and everyone else is just backing up in horror mm-hmm. as he's just turning his face into blood pudding. Yes, like you said, hamburger before. <laughs> so Dan, and then he he does he 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 steps back and sort of like looks at his blood covered hands as he realizes what he's done, and there's someone shrieking in the background, and that's the last thing Daniel remembers before it all turns red. And then uh, his, you know, partner peels up in the squad car. Daniel, God, Daniel, God, it's not worth it. Straps him down and uh, 
And this guy. And then the cover, the cover up begins. Yes, exactly. Talking about planting evidence. But you don't need to plant evidence. This guy probably has no idea why this guy has approached him, you know, at a bar just to be like, you remember me? Uh, no. You remember that liquor store robbery 15 years ago? Not really. <laughs> I mean, you're the guy that uh, remembers kisses from 17 years ago. You've got a weird uh, ability to hold these things as if they've happened yesterday in your memory, man. Oh, so he's he's racked with guilt. Mm-hmm. But she, I love this. She says, I, I'd have follow-up questions. Okay. I, I, you know, if I was going to, you know, thinking of spending my life with this fella, uh-huh. I'd be like... What happened to him? (laughs) Did he, like, was he debilitated, like brain damage? Was it like Marky Mark? Did he blind the guy? Sure. Two by four? (laughs) Where, what happened? Yeah, was, were you able to convict him after your brutality in the case? You know, as we've seen in the previous incident, you don't seem to mind that aspect of the thing, of that, that, that part of justice. So is he in prison now? Yeah, is he in prison or is he in a wheelchair with a, you know, a bag? Did he pee into a bag? And like, what what happened? But she did none of that for her. Well, I'm sure he deserved it. (laughs) Wow. That puts a lot of faith in a man who admits he went into a blind rage. (laughs) And he, yeah, she she goes on to to say this. He says, uh, I saw a part of myself. I can't ever accept that part. It was evil. Just pure hate. Oh, we all have that in us. <laughs> that doesn't make you evil. We all have evil and pure hate lurking inside of us. That's a very, very grim view of uh, of humanity coming from this Christmas River pie shop owner. I once pistol whipped Gretchen nearly to death. <laughs> we all do it. <laughs> sure, we all do. And then he says, I violated everything I believed in that day. I'm worthless now. Oh, I don't believe that for for whatever it's worth. <laughs> oh, it was great. It's a uh, it's uh, very enabling. It'll be funny when you know, like, let's assume they get married or whatever. We we don't know the end here. Okay, um, but uh, you know, it's ten years later, and he comes home like, I, I, I don't know what happened. I I started drinking with Warren, and then when I drove home, I I hit a guy. He's dead. I'll get the tarp, honey. Come on. We'll go upstate. Like, we know how to do this. It happens to all of us. It happens. The thing is, I knew what I was doing. I knew I shouldn't be driving. Hey, hey, shh. It's the second time. Have a beer. It's the second time this week, Cinnamon. I'm really concerned. Come on. Come on. We'll bake him into a pie and serve him. Tarps are cheap, honey. You know that. I was aroused the whole time too, Sin. I didn't know what to do about it. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> oh boy! Wow. Yeah. Wow. But Dark. but it ends with her him saying like, you know, I I I can't do this. I can't I can't love when I have this hated side. Me. I need to leave town again. And he walks out on her. Um, and then it flashes forward a bit in the next chapter. She's bacon pies, and uh, in walks Doctor John, who we'd, we'd sort of I'd forgotten about. Um, right. He says, hey, I did come back and get a little bit of that. I'm yeah. going to have a slice of that pie. That damn dog didn't turn that lady's hand into an etouffee, you know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> yeah, put a little onion, a little garlic. 
Dr. John. So he comes in and says, uh, you know, he asks for the usual. And she's like, hey there, stranger. And he's like, oh, yeah, I was out of town, too. People leaving town for a week in this book. You should be suspicious of them. But he was with his uh, parents. And she says, I always got the impression that John's family embarrassed him on some level, which is an interesting character detail. So I don't know. Maybe their feet are just disgusting or something. Well, that came in... uh... That came in the third, well, the the last act of the book. This is, we're getting very much towards the end. And I was very intrigued by that. <laughs> John, the uh, pro bono podiatrist, is embarrassed of his family. Yeah. So is it like Clark Griswold and his brother-in-law? Yeah, maybe. Like, uh, yeah, I pulled it outside. I'm just going uh, to empty the uh, tank into your uh, pool here, Clark. <laughs> my di- my elderly father has just been stealing a lot of copper wire out of new construction sites. It's just I've told him to stop, but it's just, in back- you know, I can afford to support my parents. I'm a doctor, even though I do a lot of my work pro bono. I changed my name. It's it's Nolte. My dad is Nick Nolte. That's it. <laughs> well, Dr. John, I, I just, what if Nick Nolte had a conversation with Dr. John? It might go a little something. I think. Let me push my sleeves up and turn around towards the brick wall. and then We've got three more chapters go. to do. We can't put our voices through that. Yes. Okay. Uh, but then he's about to say, like, hey, I, I've got some stuff to discuss with you, Sidman. But then in walks Evan. So it's going to be sort of a a, a dipshit off here uh, as these two guys who are fawning over Cinnamon, um, you know, sort of <laughs> pull her, each pull on an arm, you know. Mm-hmm. And he here's what here's what Evan says. that This makes me believe that he's he's clearly got some bodies in his basement. It's all in the past now, honey bun, he said, reaching over and stroking my hand. We've got our <sighs> we've got our hu- whole future ahead of us now, Cinnamon. I'm back. I'm back, and I'll never do that to you again. Ugh. <laughs> and then it- I was. I wrote that down and was going to ask you: Have you ever, in your entire life, called anyone honey bun, even in jest or? What? What? Didn't we talk about honey buns earlier on this? What, we did. Honey bun my, people. My, what was that based on? My my son is dismissive of uh, workers who he calls honey bun guys. Yes. Yeah, who they wear yellow vests and go into, and he's he's a worker himself, yeah. but he he's like you don't you don't eat that crap from gas stations, <laughs> so he has a very low opinion of guys who eat honey bun. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we were okay. I don't think we talked about it on here. We were talking about it because we had a, sh- a short where we mentioned Little Debbie honey buns. Okay, <laughs> no, I, I would I'd have never and will never call anybody honey bun. Um, no, of course not. And, this is immediately like you. It, it, I mean, I assume her gorge rise as like, oh God, I almost threw up. <laughs> you called me honey bun while stroking my hand, and then he, he he doubles down. He says, "I know you still love me. I've known it the whole time. You belong to me, cinnamon. <laughs> wow, I want to wear your skin." <laughs> and uh, but she essentially then like looks at him straight on and says it's over and it has been since the moment you stepped out on me and he like walks out the door angrily and says all the same you're all the same (laughs) but that's okay there's a million out there just like you who'd love to take what i'm offering so he's gonna go back to his uh r slash incel bros on reddit and just like talk about this and they're gonna say like yeah man like yeah you you got out you, you got out just in time on that one she's clearly damaged goods but he's doing all of this uh, in front of John, right? Oh, yeah, John. Because John doesn't leave, so he's just sitting there like... Like he's in a snow globe. 
taking yes taking the tines of his fork as it says and just sort of punching at the <laughs> pushing at his uneaten pie again like would you stop with the pie thing uh but uh i just want to point this out because it's at the beginning of the chapter she makes it explicit i wipe my face free of flower marks and emerge from the kitchen into the cozy dining room nice so there you go she said it a couple times in here so it's uh thanks for i just like the reminder like what am i reading again uh dog is attacking a woman (laughs) and puncturing her femoral artery it's it's cozy okay Uh, Okay. (laughs) yeah it is a nice little uh showing telling not showing yes um and then it says that evan walked out of my like life forever or something like that and there are 12 more books so i i do hope that he commits a crime later in a book um something like that or you know stumbles into town derelict and becomes a suspect or something but yeah so he he gives john a hateful look and then he opened up the front door slamming it hard behind him i watched him stomp across the street like a child throwing a tantrum <laughs> and it's just it's damn lucky they had already snow plowed up all those uh, oh wow horse flops yeah yeah, because you don't want to stop oh, across the street. Stop two. Stop oh, two. Oh, <laughs> why? How many are there? I'm not even a quarter of the way across the street. How many parades deep was this horse? <laughs> they ran the Kentucky Derby out here. Did this horse eat discarded pies? What is this? <laughs> uh, chapter 47 is we go back to the conversation with John where he essentially says, Oh, Cinnamon, I know how you feel about me. It's easy to read a woman when she's not in love with you. Um, so he he took a moment uh, when he was off with his parents to really analyze things and came to a good conclusion. So I'm happy that that worked out that way. Yeah, this, I mean, this is a uh, 100% a trope, right? Some loser uh, second mm-hmm. who sticks around. I always wonder who would take that role on like a Hallmark or whatever. I mean, it's, you know, going back to the beginning of rom-coms there's always some sad sack fiance yeah. <laughs> who, who gets shoved away at the end and it's like man that is sorry work <laughs> you don't get any laughs it's basically like you're you know you're impotent and a fool yeah. <laughs> like you work at some crappy job that everyone hates you <laughs> it would be interesting to see when you go in to read for that part to just look around the other guys in the room and be like oh no this is the part you've got me reading for like <laughs> like in the uh, in the series andor there's a uh, I, I told lauren this there's a, a evil you know evil empire uh you know underlings that are sort of like the they're doing the logistics of all the evil the empire is carrying out. And every single person in this room is just like quite unattractive um, from just like that, that sort of, they're not supposed to be, but like they, they really play it up. So I just imagine going for that audition and being like, Oh, okay. I get it. You've, you've recruited a lot of people who you look at and you're like, yep, that person's gross and evil. (laughs) You, you think I'm one of these. Okay. All right. Well, at least I know myself now. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I guess work is work. Yeah, and John is this guy, and, you know, he's handsome enough. Oh, yeah, right? they did call him handsome. Yeah. Uh, but he says, he essentially comes in, and this is another little shock. He says, I know this is formal, but we both thought it would be wrong to sneak around before you're back, so I just wanted to ask you if you'd mind if Kara and I started seeing each other. So, you know, that's a... Uh, I'm not sure what Kara's thinking there. Maybe she just wants the uh, the free foot rubs or something. Uh, and what happened physically after that? Do you have it right there? Uh, my jaw nearly hit the floor. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> she's, 
jaws are unhinging all over this book. Right? This has happened before? Yes. Okay. To her. Eyebrows are raised oh, yeah. to the ceiling, jaws hitting floors. <laughs> uh, AI, you got to get your uh, physicality sure, a little better. Right. You must know how this works. And at the end, it sort of says, does this mean I can stop making this flavor for you? You're about the only one who orders it this day, these days. Well, I guess. But don't count me out completely. I'll still stop by time by time if that's okay with you. You're deeply unwell, Dr. John. And he, I, it made me think for just one second. He, he says, friends, and then they, uh, friends, and they grip their hands sternly. And I just wondered, like, had he been sawn away at a yellow toenail like just <laughs> yeah, a moment yeah, before? Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you have the vinyl gloves on? Did you uh, <laughs> did you wash pretty with hot water? Yeah, uh, you're gonna you're mm-hmm. gonna want to wash those hands, cinnamon. I mean, there's some yellow fungus on you. There's definitely fungi in there. Uh, several varieties. You'd be surprised uh, at how transferable foot odor is from hand to hand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, this is the end of the chapter, unless you have something else. Nope. But she says, um, he got up and tried to pay, but I wouldn't have it. His money was no good here. <laughs> and I'm like, don't tell him that. Like, he'll be hosting his podiatrist client <laughs> appreciation parties at the pie shop right. for the rest of his life. <laughs> it is a nice move, though, to be like, he comes in. He finally says, I'm going to start dating your friend. And that's when you stop taking his money. (laughs) String him along for the thing. That's a, uh, you got to respect the hustle on that one. And maybe that was his long con. And like, yeah, free pie. You thought I didn't like pie. (laughs) You've never seen a human eat as much pie as I can. (laughs) I'm going to challenge Huckleberry to a pie eating contest and then to another contest a couple hours later. We'll see who creates the most volume. Remember that girl who uh, threw up in someone's hair? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna best that. <laughs> Chapter forty-eight. Cinnamon just sort of does some uh, staring off into the void and thinking about Daniel and thinking about John and just being happy that things have worked out for people who aren't herself. <laughs> um, uh, the air smelled like snow. Nice. I would guess so. There's, there's so many feet of it. Yeah. <laughs> and she sort of pulls a uh, home alone and just like goes to a. Um, uh, church alone, a sort of empty church alone. I think it's Christmas Eve, and just sort of sits there and takes it all in to uh, really just set the set the scene and make it cozy. What's the song you had picked for her walking through the snow? I mean, is it? I mean, does it have to be a Christmas song? Or I think it had pretty much better. I mean, I don't know. Vin, uh, Vince Guaraldi, Christmas time is here. Um, yeah, there you go. I mean, you could have the ironic Silent Night sort of going. That's that's pretty. Oh, no, it's Vince Guaraldi doing Oh Christmas Tree. You know how it starts with that melancholy before it picks up. So maybe after she leaves the church, it kind of picks up. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it does instill, instill some humanity into her. And then she goes and drops off some meat pies for dogs at the Humane Society. Because if there's one thing she can't stop doing, it's feeding dogs pie. Which is... That was a surprise to me at the beginning of the chapter. It's a bit of a twist. She says it was Christmas Eve day, and after making a fresh batch of pies, I closed up the shop early. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. she's getting a head start. Maybe she's closed on Christmas. I don't know. But then at the end, she describes them as meat pies. (laughs) That's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess she has a whole, you know, she's got an infrastructure for that in the pie shop as well for, you know. 
cooking. What and, kind of meat are you making for dogs for the Humane Society? Uh, hopefully. I mean, she's not a, she's not equipped for this, right? There's been no indication before, no. And like mince meat pies like is not meat. Grinding right? up suet and yeah. stuff like that. Hopefully they, she's gotten some low-grade cuts of things that are maybe butcher's scraps. And then I know that there are, for dog foods and stuff, there's a certain much higher allowable parts per million of whipped bone meal. Nice. So maybe she was using that. You know, the pink foam stuff that they use to make nuggets, chicken yeah. nuggets and stuff. Crude protein. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know where she's getting this shipped in, but I'm glad because she was almost out of pie. Filling, True. Yes. So yeah. Luckily, she had meat trimmings around. So yeah. If you walked into a uh, into a pie shop and just saw a bag of, you know, the pink slime behind the counter, you'd probably back your way out the door. <laughs> Even if <laughs> she's. Yeah, the perfect. She's expert. piping it around pies, and <laughs> someone walks in. Can I help you get something? I'll just take this one. No, no, that's for. No, it looks good to me. I'll just have a pie piece right now. <laughs> Um, you probably would not expect uh, accept the uh, very fake sounding explanation of I'm just making them to bring to dogs at the Humane Society either. Right? What kind of crust do dogs? Like? <laughs> I, I thought the crust uh, was she, the problem. I think the lard and the crust was, I think, what was going to cause the uh, dog diarrhea. So, oh, okay, it was okay. It wasn't like the rhubarb or whatever. Uh, I assume yeah, I don't know. dogs don't make a regular meal of rhubarb. But I don't know. She, as don't as know, she ended know. with this. Uh, sentences it was like the dogs would have them for christmas morning because even dogs deserve to have a merry christmas i said all right let's let's wrap this thing up this is <laughs> yeah cozy cozy it yeah. down quite a bit from there please and she does because the next chapter starts with warren saying i've got the eggnog under control honey you could you just get yourself home before eight it's, I'm going to have some guys over play cards and watch the <laughs> Pope ringing Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Warren, please. Yeah, but Warren contains multitudes. They're playing poker, boozing it up, and then watching the Vatican Christmas Eve Mass on TV. <laughs> <laughs> because the Big Valley Channel goes dark just out of respect for Christmas. Yep, they play the national anthem and then dip to a uh, test pattern. Yeah. But and uh, speaking of containing multitudes, this the book has essentially become like the end of Caddyshack, where Rodney Dangerfield's like, "Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid," because Warren yes. is now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it says uh, uh, he's dating Catherine. Oh, Catherine Harris, the new barmaid at the Pine. It says Catherine was new to town in her mid sixties and worked at the tavern on the weekends to supplement her social security checks. And Warren says, I think she prefers the term bartender, probably because she's exists in the 21st century and not, uh, you know, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. <laughs> but uh, I'm surprised she isn't. Uh, Catherine was in her mid 60s. Isn't that a little too old to be? Uh, yeah. You know? I mean, she doesn't think anyone Come on. should be doing that based on Gretchen and the judge. But uh, with her, she's just like, huh. Oh, I'm just delighted that you're going to be banging the bartender at the pine. <laughs> so imagine those, uh, what, what do they sit? Oh, they sit and talk about uh, the big valley and stuff at the table. And then he's like, uh, hang on, I'm, I'm getting a high sign from Katie over there. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift up that little flip top on the bar top and go behind into the, <laughs> into the cool room. And I'll be back in 10, guys. <laughs> You got it, Warren. Better hope the old Pope JP don't run too long with that sermon because I got a limited shelf life on this thing here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh. But uh, so Warren leaves her off, and she's like, "Oh, you old dog!" And uh, she has more pies or something like. But it, it ends with the classic uh, Muldoon simile, which is that it left me feeling cold and empty, like a hollow chocolate Santa. <laughs> uh, not the best one she's got, and I prefer the hard cheese. I think. Um, Compared herself to cheese, yeah. Eyebrows were going to the ceiling. Jaws were hitting the floor. Yeah. Snow globe. We all stood there like people in a slope. But uh... but she also, I was curious about the, she actually gets tired from carrying the bag of meat pies. <laughs> so how many dogs at the Humane Society? Right, in this town of 5,000? Yeah. Mm. And And do they have to, like the Humane Society probably has to go like, Oh, thank you so much. Obviously, we are not accepting right. meat pies for our dogs. We have this all under control. We have a full budget. We actually need to bring these dogs back to health. We have no idea what you put yes, in these pies. Yes, exactly. You could be some weird... That could be the next thing is the uh, the person who poisoned the dogs in the animal shelter by giving them donated food. Well, I'm just going to leave them here. Well, if you leave them here, I will have to take them and I will throw them in the back dumpster. Is there anything else? <laughs> well, I'll just leave them. Even dogs have to eat. No, but these dogs will not be eating these pies. They well literally cannot have them. Yes. Merry Christmas. Oh, look, it's <laughs> snowing. How magical. We don't eat snow. We had to put a dog down because of the snow last week. The blizzard person right in front of her as she's walking away like pulling her collar up is like taking a broomstick and just bashing the pies down to con- you know compact yeah. them so she can throw them more easily into the dumpster and then who pops merry christmas <laughs> who pops his head up but it'll take some of them pies gucci's uh are you throwing away meat pies for dogs <laughs> no, what the hell are you insane in the membrane <laughs> And the good doctor going to share that with uh, Warren over at his poker game before the uh, papal mass. Warren likes to laugh when he puts them on the floor and I still eat the meat pies. <laughs> oh, Nick. Oh, All right. Well, it's the last chapter. chapter yeah, so we, we can continue. burn it through it. Uh, so chapter 50, I mean, it's, uh, you know, as you'd expect, she's she's alone. She's bitter about Everything else, everyone else having someone to live with. She looks at herself in the mirror and says, another Christmas and soon another year and soon 34. The unimaginable horror. <laughs> Blackout, gunshot. <laughs> uh, and then she, uh, that's when, and I looked down and that's when I saw him and Huckleberry is scratching at her door. Huckleberry, who now has a taste for human flesh and likes it. <laughs> Yes, uh, that that's true. That does happen, right? That's happened with uh, lions and tigers. Yeah. They get a taste yeah, and, and become a nuisance start. and you have to put them down. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's when uh, she looks outside and there's like, you know, a red sky, but with, of course, um, snowing hard now. And uh, she hears music coming over the coming over the uh, over the hills. And I think we've read this on fanfic. It's Daniel, of course, coming over the hills singing Otis Redding. That's how strong my love is. Um, and you know, it's the, it gets about as gooey and sappy as anything has in this book. Um, as she's like the past 16 years fall away. And I felt like the most important person in the entire world. Oh, it's too bad. It wasn't a soft strum, a soft sound at first, quiet and distant princess, princess kneel before you (laughs) just go ahead now (laughs) you're probably time since you adore you probably would time out well to their high school years 
Yes. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of that, of, of, of songs from the past, it says, Cinnamon, if I could take back these past 16 years, I would. I would go back to that lake with you and never want anything else. And I was like, the guys in Bruce Springsteen sung about in glory days were not hung up on their high school years as much as these sad sacks. <laughs> the guy who could throw his speedball by you was like, man, yes. could quit living in the past, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's just embarrassing. That is true. It's quite a quite a time. I'm trying to remember it. 16 years. I think I went to one reunion and I walked in and like guys were coming up to me. I didn't recognize anyone and I just felt awful. I was like this was a huge mistake. <laughs> I have no nostalgia for any of. This. I'm still friends with a lot of people from my high school. Um, and you know we have a lot of stories we like talking about. And but they're stories. You know they're like things we did or like. Funny things that happen is not just like one embarrassing kiss with someone you never spoke to again. That'd be it. It just, it would, yeah, I can't think of anything worse than getting hung up on that. <laughs> uh, well, another physical description of Daniel. Okay. The soft glow of the kitchen light fell on his face, illuminating it. Yeah, that's what light does. <laughs> making him look like an angel troubadour wow. descended from heaven to save my broken heart. I guess my joking description earlier was actually pretty apt. Yes. Number one, settle the (laughs) hell down. That's an extra stamp. We had to pay extra to get that one. But uh, angels famously lit by kitchen lights, of course. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully it's not one of those like daylight light bulbs that make everything look garbage or one of those old CFLs. Yeah, it's no, it's a 6,000 uh, temperature uh, CFL that flickers, you know, where you can, when you move your eyes, you can actually see the flickering mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> oh, he looks like an angel. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's a, uh, if, if a movie did that and was not like trying to be funny about how they made a, uh, a, a character look, you would, you would not take it seriously if they made him look that angelic. <laughs> Yes. So obviously, I don't think we need to say it, but uh, I'll never leave you again. Pulling close, kissing. The guitar must be hard to get rid of. I don't know how you, I guess you sling it behind your back and then pull her close. Yep. And he talks about, uh, all I can offer you is what I am today. My heart damaged as it is and a promise to never leave you again. Like I just full body shudder. <laughs> your heart did your heart get damaged when you uh, when you beat that man within an inch of his life and confined him to uh, you know reconstructive surgery on his on his pelvis from shattering it with a baseball bat that you had brought along. Well, that's what goes unsaid. Is like there's a soft moaning from like three yards away, and like yeah, that guy bumped shoulders with me as I walked over <laughs> here, and I had to retune my guitar. <laughs> I had been at the uh, Pine Street Tavern, so I was pretty liquored up when I. Confined him to a wheelchair. Beat him with a tire iron. I'm pretty sure he's not going to pull through, especially now that it's snowing on top of it. (laughs) I liked this description, too, because it's wrapping up as they're smooching. He wrapped his arms around me, pulled me close, and we kissed. The snow falling silently all around us. Well-timed by the snow for just punctuating every moment so dramatically. The wind blowing sharply into the sides of our faces. But I wasn't cold. In fact, I hadn't been that warm in years. Huckleberry circled us. Wagging his little nub. (laughs) That one threw me. I did not like the description of like, oh, the snow's falling. The music's rising. The strings are, uh, you know, uh, crescendoing. Angelic light. And and a little nub. Wagging his little nub. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Well, I mean, it goes into that. It says, I knew he was true and I knew he was never going to leave me. Not ever again. We'll see if that, uh, if that bears out throughout the rest of the series, but yeah, we have a lot of books to go through. <laughs> it ends. Let's with, see. It ends with a uh, an epilogue, and just as the prologue was, it's from the dog's point of view. It's like um, him eating a meat, uh, Huckleberry eating a meat pie, looking at the man and woman, um, feeling very happy. It says the dog had a feeling he'd be seeing a lot more of the woman, that the man and the woman would play a big part in his life in the upcoming years. He would be loyal to both of them and would never leave their sides as long as he lived. Huckleberry, as the woman called him, finally had a loving home. He was no longer alone. And that's when the humping started. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like that the dog is going like, Oh, my name is Huckleberry. (laughs) I guess. Um, But it is funny that this is like, the entire book was the dog's dream. I'm assuming this is like Inception. Sure, that'd be great. The dog was chasing rabbits and then like woke up and like, oh, did I just dream about a woman stabbing a man at a pie shop? Right, right, I ray off the reet rise. <laughs> oh, so that is wow. There we go. Yeah, it was a uh, it it was a cozy mystery, I guess. Um, we'll see. Well. Uh, that the mystery thing is very funny. I think we talked about this before that is that this is such a true to the hallmark thing of like we can't have any tension. We can't have cinnamon under suspicion of murder for more than four lines of of prose. Yeah. Before the the other confession comes, maybe a few more than that, but it is literally like in real time if it played out it was 35 seconds. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. You're under a re- No, I confess it was me all along. <laughs> right, yeah. 30, wow. 30 to 45 seconds, of which, you know, most of them involved a violent dog attack. Yeah. But also the tension, I mean, there is no tension because we know she didn't do it unless you're giving us a, you know, pulling a fast one and giving us a wildly unreliable narrator, you know, Patrick Bateman or something. Uh, we know she didn't do it because it's a first person book that she wrote here um, from her perspective. But it could have been a, a you know wrongly imprisoned, sure, right, Again. and then it could have it could have gone into one of those true crime series, right. yeah, you know, twenty years but in, and someone's working to the Innocence Project to free her. They show her, you know, there's like B roll of her eating meat pies in prison yeah, and uh, doing push ups, ironically, and, yeah. <laughs> having meat and then pies tattooed on her knuckles. Yeah, her, her neck tattoo is a huckleberry. <laughs> what was the tattoo I said I was going to get? Like, that bitch is just crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. It would be interesting to see. A reader wrote, read the next three books in there. Um, so oh, we, no. Let's, uh, yeah, let's let's cut ahead to emails and we can just, uh, we can we can explore what, uh, what, hap- what he says happened. We ain't going to the party. We ain't going to the game. We ain't going to the dinner. Ain't going to cruise out, man. Uh, Got to read some of these emails, but uh, maybe we'll save the rest for a, a mailbag last uh, next week because we have some that just uh, got by the wayside in our previous long episodes. Uh, these book, these emails are, of course, written by Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash 372 pages, where we love and treasure every single person who contributed to the podcast this year. We have 960 Patreon supporters, so that's getting close oh, that's to that uh, promised watch of Forrest Gump. Wow, that's good. Do we owe one of these people? Don't we owe them uh, super constitution? We, we need to do that, so maybe we'll include that in our uh, 
mailbag. Whatever we do next week, that'll be where we give away Super Constitution. Okay. Sound good? Right. Um, we will. Uh, we, we do need to send those out, and those are hot t- hot items. I don't know if it will get here in Christmas time, but that would be the most expensive gift under your tree, probably. I haven't looked to see if the uh, price of Super Constitution has gone back down. Like, I don't know if anyone like relisted their copy of it to try to uh, um, try to capitalize. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you should. The, like, you absolutely should. It's a super hot market. Yeah. It's, what, what do they call that uh, pricing on? Uh, uh, when you're ordering a lift or whatever, oh yeah, surge pricing. Surge pricing. <laughs> so. It does not appear that anyone is currently listing their super constitution on Amazon. So, um, but is there a price for it? It just says currently unavailable. We don't know. Oh, unavailable! Yeah. Wow, so. holy cow! Yeah. So, yep. If if you want to uh, if you want to get a copy of this very valuable book, you gotta you gotta support the Patreon. Um, but uh, let's let's read these emails. This is from Jeffrey. Jeffrey, you'll know, is the person that uh, we interviewed because he went ahead and read all the Quilter book series. Yes, I, I envy. I mean, obviously, he's a quick reader. I am not. I envy you, Jeffrey, and thank you for your fine work. <laughs> he says, I went ahead and read the next three book in the Cinnamon Peter series. And if you think the persistent mem- persistent misery abates, I can assure you it does not. As an example, this is an excerpt from book three, which is hilariously miserable. And he says, I don't ever remember her smiling like this, I said, pointing to a photograph of my mom posing with Marie, who had been the maid of honor at her wedding. My mom wasn't exactly an unhappy person when I knew her, but even as a child, I knew she was troubled. When my father was around, the two of them fought all the time, and I remember her crying a lot. When he left us, the crying spells didn't stop. If anything, there were more of them. During her last years before the accident, she'd become a little happier, but I never knew that youthful, radiant bride in the photograph staring up at me. That woman was long gone by the time I came around. So that's delightful. Merry Christmas. Happy coziness, everybody. Wow, becoming. She was on her way to mumminess, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the ski accident did her a favor. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Jeffrey says, the difference between the Quilterverse and these books is like the difference between a mouthful of cotton candy and a mouthful of fondant, to put it in uh, cozy terms. And he says, by the way, the Devlin sisters just released the 11th Miranda Hathaway book called The Dollhouse Quilt, and it seems they've decided to tackle another hot button issue, elder abuse. I will, of course, read it and let you know how it goes. So I'm very excited to hear about that one. (laughs) Uh, So that's exciting. Um, We have an email from Amy. She is the one who sent in. uh, We had the sentence about the sheriff was he stuck out his upper lip like he didn't believe what I was saying. And Amy says, I have a picture of a horse I owned perfectly demonstrating the sheriff's expression of disbelief. Uh, he says, this isn't the first 372 book to, fi- book to feature upper lip weirdness. The girl in the mister was constantly biting her upper lip. So yes. I'm just trying yep. to copy this picture to you right now. Um, I will, of course, post it when we post the episode. But she has sent her picture of a horse who is very much uh, sticking out his upper lip in an effort to do Lord knows what. But <laughs> As a, I, a former horse owner, I had several horses back in the day, the the movement of the upper lip was one of the things that charms you about horror. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's like an elephant trunk. It's like, what is it doing? Wow, prehensile? It is. Or they can, as you feed them a carrot, the upper lip moves, you know, the sniffing and everything. It's like, it's terrifying and exhilarating. So. <laughs> well, the horse is very much looking at the camera uh, as if it knows you're taking a picture of its upper lip. So it seems like it's sort of showing off. So it is, it is, uh, it's posing, obviously. <laughs> 
Um, we are going to uh, have an email from AD. He says, I've been listening to all the main episodes of the podcast and I'm currently through the Mr. Uh, we had people from Spotify who listened to just so many out 42 days of the podcast last uh, this year was the record we had from a listener. Wow. So that involves several re-listens, back-to-back rewatches, even some might say. Uh, he said uh, his, he was inspired to head over to YouTube to listen to Foghat's classic Slow Ride. Lo and behold, the second comment there was, my mom sang this to me right before she passed. Oh, come on. It's forever in my heart and hopefully a testament to how good she was feeling going through those pearly gates. I love you, mom. And he says, now whenever I hear this song, I'm going to picture a dying woman singing to her child. I'm in the mood. The rhythm is right. Move to the music. We can roll all night. <laughs> and that's a, that's a song that the kid falls asleep listening to in the end of Days to Confuse. So you just it's impossible not to imagine that playing as the uh, as the woman drifts off forever. That is obviously made up. So that's why okay, sure, we're yes. we're laughing about that. But it's also does does that win? I'm sure there's a better version of you know as my mother drifts off kind of a fiction right it's clearly fiction her his mother did not start singing slower <laughs> do you want to take a ride son what kind of ride mom <sighs> are you ready uh, uh vivian writes in and says at the book at the back of christmas river book meg muldoon has a link to her website which has a link to her youtube page and it appears she puts videos of her giving a plot synopsis to the books I'd highly recommend everyone watching them as listening to her describe these unhinged plots in mild tones made me cry with laughter, including a link for her describing the newest one, which is apparently a prequel. Um, so we can link to that as well. Um, I, yeah, I'd be interested to see that. I haven't heard her talk and really just saw that one picture of her. Oh, yeah. I didn't do much investigation. I didn't know she had a YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's a, uh, you know, the, uh, the last thing my father did before he died was play this YouTube summary of a book to me. Um, on on my deathbed, my mom on her deathbed, my mom recited an entire episode of the Big Valley, <laughs> and with, including descriptions of the terrain as Barbara Stanwyck rode across. The- <laughs> uh, John said, "As I reflected on the lack of mystery solving in uh, Murder in Christmas River, I realized that Super Constitution may have had significantly more mystery solving, particularly the subplot where government agents were trying to track down Miss O'Hara contained much more investigation and detective work than all of Christmas River combined. But Murder in Christmas River still beats Super Constitution in the coziness department, though. I I think that's an absolute given. Oh, I think so, yeah. But, I mean, I always like those things where you can argue that any book is, is, is cozy. cozy yeah. yeah, what was there was a movie that Bridget said the other day, and she goes, isn't that a cozy... Thing, and it's like oh well i guess if you look at it from that yeah i can't remember what it was, mystic yeah. river that's the uh yes <laughs> i mean you know. so cozy <laughs> uh speaking of sean penn uh the last email is from dawn it says i have a request for the last episode please oh please read the physical description of the sheriff that's in the book two bonus chapters at the end of this book um, and so I, we'll do that just to get ahead of it. Who knows if we'll ever read any of these anymore. But the, the sheriff, it says, since the fiasco that was the Christmas River Gingerbread Junction competition the December before last, last Sheriff Trumbo had been demoted within the tiny Poli County Sheriff's Department, had become one of my most frequent customers at the pie shop, and had gained at least 30 pounds. Oh! I didn't know if he kept coming in here because he felt bad about accusing me of murder and almost arresting me in front of his television crew, or if he came in because he wanted something fattening to add to his epic binge. 
Either way, the man was in the biggest rut I'd ever seen. I mean, I hadn't even gotten that way after my divorce. Despite everything that had happened, I couldn't find it in my heart to hold a grudge against this sad, depressed man. Well, not much of a grudge anyway. I guess if I had truly been forgiving, I wouldn't let him get the most calorie-laden pie in the shop. I probably would. Yeah, because she's been really subjective about like, in- intervening with her customer's pie consumption. I probably would have told him he needed to get help, not more pie. I handed the four of former sheriff his plate and he took it without saying thank you. He went to a corner table where he sat down and started attacking the slice with his fork. As he took his seat, his beer belly came hanging down beneath his beige colored sheriff department shirt that was several sizes too small for him. Yep, that was a rut the size of Crater Lake. Whoa, Crater Lake. Yeah, so a uh, another local Oregon uh, simile there. The High Plains Desert, that's as dry as it. Uh, we get a description right after. I was able to find this quickly. Oh, nice. It's on my E thing. I went back into the kitchen. Kara had put her shoes back on. Oh! So she's taking her shoes off in the shop. Well, the doctor is uh, giving her some toe treatment she wants to show off. Evidently. And was throwing her long, frazzled blonde hair up into a... Elegant ponytail? Messy ponytail. Oh, wow. She can't even beat... Wow. Bailey. Bailey? Yeah. Bailey just like totally freezes her out. Wow, that's incredible. You need to start watching the same, uh, you know, ponytail TikToks that Bailey's been watching. <laughs> oh, and then uh, here's their plan for the night, and then I'm done. What about a girls' night tonight? I asked. We could make some beer garitas and eat junk food. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, you brassy broads. She nodded and bit her lip. Nice. Right. Upper lip? Yes. Not specified? Yeah. Not specified. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for uh, everyone who read ahead in the series. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm always interested to hear what goes on here more. I would love to read another Quilters book, but, uh, you know, you got you got to take some time between these things. So if any more shocking developments in this series, I'm very interested to hear about. Indeed. Uh, let's finish with dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital So, yeah, again, big, more big, dumb sentences big. from our beloved Patreon supporters. Uh, this first one is from Claire. In addition to Warren, Kara was also... Sorry, I'm gonna, it, it's, a, it's a bad sentence, so it's hard to read it in a normal voice. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. In addition to Warren... Kara was always there for me, too. <laughs> and she says, The redundancy is oddly reminiscent of my favorite bad sentence from Antigua. It, too, was also beautiful. <laughs> Which just, I don't remember that specifically, but it's so, it's delightfully Antigua, and I miss that book. In addition, it, too, was also. <laughs> uh, Michael and Kate both submitted this one. My heart suddenly broke free of the basement it had been stored in since that night we had kissed under the winter moonlight. And uh, they said that it's important for context here. The important, uh, the first sentence before it is, and he was at the sliding glass door, bringing his paw up to the window and scratching on it. My heart suddenly broke free of the basement. It had been stored since that night we had kissed under the winter moonlight. So the dog is at the door. (laughs) (laughs) Then her, uh, after that, it goes on, but her heart like goes like up to the moon or something like it broke free of the ceiling and it's like exploded into the universe. Yeah, I don't it know. flies it's up into the crazy. atmosphere like Superman. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all the usual, this is from Mike, all the usual competitors were there, including a few new ones, but there seemed to be a never ending stream of spectators flooding the auditorium. 
He says the usual competitors included the new competitors. I think someone was absent the day math teachers taught Venn diagrams. <laughs> uh, Jay submitted soft snow was starting to come down from the sky, but it wasn't magical. So she is assigning various degrees of magic to the constant snow throughout the book. Uh, Balaji submitted, just like any of us, she'd gotten caught in a web of love, lies, and deceit. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, she's subscribing, uh, you know, things to everybody, like, like uh, the hidden chap chamber of his heart that was full of hate, Daniel said. And she says, we all have that. It's like, I think you are uh, have a very dark view of the human condition. Uh, Douglas submitted, my muscles suddenly detensed. And he says, she uses the word relaxed in literally the next sentence. So clearly she knows there's a better word than the invented detensed. Yes, I had that oh, one. Oh, nice. Yes, that was Very a nice, nice. One. Uh, Let's see. We have the mosquito one. Um, let's, uh, Justin submitted, he stood up straight, looking at me with pained eyes or whatever insincere emotion he really felt. And it says, the, the emotion is not sincere, but he really did feel it. It's hard to get a read on this guy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, Andrew V submitted, I played with my paper. Co this might have been from the last one, but I didn't notice it. I played with my paper coaster and felt the warm tingle of the golden liquid crawling through me. And he said, this is how human beings talk about drinking alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he said, uh, Craig submitted Daniel Brightman singing an Otis Redding song about how strong his love was on a snowy Christmas Eve on the back porch of my shop, ruined the cold, empty person I had been. And Craig said, I admit it's been a while since I last heard Otis Redding's That's How Strong My Love Is. I just don't remember Otis's lyrics having a part about his love being strong on a snowy Christmas Eve on the back porch of a particular pie shop in a small town in central Oregon, which is what the <laughs> punctuation would lead you here to believe. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and then someone else, of course, submitted uh, the sharp noise. Mike submitted the sharp noise grated on me like I was a chunk of hard cheese. He says that's worse than the bad Hemingway writing contest similes. He says it's the dumb sentence of the podcast for him. Nice. Do you have any? Yes, I did have some. I, I I had all the similes submitted. Oh, the only one I I left in was my mouth suddenly went as dry as the high deserts of eastern Oregon, which we discussed. Okay. Um, but nice. I, yes. I, it just it stood out for me. Uh mine. Yeah, mine were all mine were all burnt. Wow. I mean, it's very understandable. There was a, a wealth of things here, but a lot of fun stuff to discuss. Yeah, it's a lot of. Uh... It's a lot of cliches, obviously. So those are you know, as fun as they are. But insane it's fun when they stuff sprinkled in between the cliches, though. Yes, it's like we always talk about the the bad movies. Like, look, we all know what this is. You know, a monster attacks people or something. But then someone is just they just do something weird, like someone collects lunch boxes or something. You yeah, know, like yes. what? Why? What? What? <laughs> now we have to take a. It's that kind of thing where you're the the details are. The things that you sh why are you getting hung up on this? Right, yeah. Make the movie about... And that's what bad... Yeah. Birds attacking. Sure, we all know how that works. All right, this guy's selling solar panels, and you're getting into specifics about the level of discount he's giving you. Like, well... Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what, makes him, that's what makes him great, and that's why you can't replicate them. I don't, AI will never, uh, will never be able to grasp that, I'm guessing. Because even if you're trying to make a bad movie, you wouldn't think to do the things that the people do unintentionally. Yeah, and that's why when someone does it intentionally to make it weird i, I we don't like that right. i don't like yeah. that yeah yeah 
Well, good. So where do you, where do you rate this one? Uh, well, for me, I mean, the benchmark is obviously the quilters push back. Um, let's take a look at the list of everything we've got here. But I okay. I I put that book uh, strongly above this one. Um, I think it just. I put it. Yes, I do too. I don't. I don't know how strongly. Maybe we disser- disagree slightly on the strength of the how far I put it above it, but I certainly do. Yes, I put this book uh, above some of the mainstream books that were um, weird, but uh, beneath a lot of the sort of outsider ones that we've done. Uh, I, I put it above Gump and Company. I but I put it below Antigua. I put it below Moon People. I put it below Quilters. Um, I'd put it above my immortal, but uh, I put it below trucking through time. Um, oh yes. Yep. But I don't disagree with a single thing so far. I think I'd put it above Lair of the white worm. I think it's firmly in the middle. Uh, I put it above digital fortress. Um, so maybe at the bottom of the weird outsiders, but, uh, on top of the, um, you know, I put it on top of the two old books, irony, it is Lee and Lair of the white worm. I put it above super constitution for sure. <laughs> Yes, yeah, <laughs> that just got a little weird. Um, I don't know if I'd put. I don't know. The only ones I might quibble a little bit about is uh, Lair of the White Worm. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough. I probably would put it above it, but I I, I would have to think about that. Yeah, I my, yeah. my my quibble is by the people who wrote in being like, you guys may have you know, you guys may be in over your heads with this one. I, you know, that you might have picked too good of a book before we started reading oh, this. Come one. on. So like, yeah. No, <laughs> we're still fifty-fifty on whether it's AI that wrote right. it. So no, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, funny stuff here. Uh, I think to dissect. So for that, I am grateful. And uh, you know, a quick and easy read. And I'm glad we got to do it at Christmas time. It really made the uh, the season that much cozier. Oh, so cozy. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for supporting it, and uh, I'm glad for grateful for everyone who took this journey along with us this year. It was a uh, a lot of fun, and uh, especially those of you who supported it on Patreon. Yes, and happy holidays to everyone. Uh, cozy up wherever you are, no matter what the temperature is, even if you live in that spot on the map, Hawaii. <laughs> I, I hope you enjoy your holidays. Thanks, everyone. Bye.